pot of gold. This episode of Ramble by the River is brought to you by Ford Electric. 360-642-2137. Serving Southwest Washington since 1944, Ford Electric is the local standard for quality electrical work and outstanding customer service. But don't just take my word for it. Richard H. went to Yelp to say that the Ford Electric team were prompt, careful, explained things well, left clear instructions, and were generally cheerful. They actively planned to minimize any inconvenience to me, and they worked hard to make the new outlets work well and look good. Alan P. said, In less than an hour, Ford came in and repaired the broken thermostat on my baseboard heater, and then upgraded three of my old fluorescent lights with cool new LED disc lights. Thank you for another great service call. You guys rock! Jessica M. had this to say, Very nice staff. You can tell this place is family owned in a good way. And that's really cool. Everyone I worked with seemed to really care about the level of service that they provided. Very helpful in figuring out what I really needed, since electrical work is not my area of expertise, and making sure I understood what was going on. We'll definitely use them again. Five stars. Five star review after five star review. All of them saying how wonderful it is to work with Ford Electric. Whether you're in need of someone to wire your new construction project, or you need someone to call when the lights go out, go with Ford Electric. Call 360-642-2137 to schedule your electrical service today. I can tell you from personal experience, I know the guys who work for this company, I know the guys who own this company, and they are top of the line, cream of the crop, human beings. If you call them and schedule something, you're gonna get the best service available, and that's just a given. So don't make the mistake of going with somebody else. Call Ford Electric today for your electrical service in Southwest Washington. One more time, that's 360-642-2137 for Ford Electric. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. It is Saturday, November 19th, the year of our Lord, 2022. And we've got a great show for you today. Joining me for a chat today is IT security specialist and Ilwaco High School alum, Matthew Shannon. But first, I have some exciting announcements. For a limited time, Ramble by the River wants to give you a taste of the wild. And I don't mean the popular high-end dog food. I mean the actual wild. We have a special promotion going on right now, and you can find yourself with a handful of Woodland Delights. I'm going to post a link to this episode on Instagram and Facebook. The first 10 listeners that repost that post and tag three friends will be entitled to one pound of fresh picked wild golden chanterelles. Make sure one of the three friends is Ramble by the River so that we can count your entry. And if you are not friends with us, you better add us as a friend first. These mushrooms are premium culinary grade treasures from the heart of the Pacific Northwest and they can be yours with just a few clicks. I plucked these little sunshine trumpets from the earth with my own two veiny muscular hands. I scaled cliffs, I battled rain and wind, and I marched on foot through a dark forest teeming with bears, coyotes, and cougars so that you might enjoy just for a few moments this gustatory delight. A couple quick few minutes on a hot dry pan to wake these fairy tale fungal fruits and they become something of a flavor fantasy. Add some onion, some olive oil, salt and pepper, and now you have a meal fit for a king. A meal that is only available to a tiny portion of humans 
for a very limited time. In mere days, all of the chanterelles will go back into hiding and we'll have to wait for their triumphant return next fall. But for now, we feast. Trust me, these things are delicious. You will not regret it. Do us both a favor, repost my post about this episode, tag three friends, one of which being Ramble by the River, and get yourself a free pound of golden chanterelles. Some restrictions apply, only available in select cities while supplies last. And now, from the Ramble by the River newsroom, it's news and current events. This first story comes to us from CNN. It was written by Andy Babineau and Alea Elessar. Published Thursday, November 17th, 2022. Officials have identified the partial foot discovered in one of Yellowstone's deepest hot springs. Yellowstone National Park officials have identified the person whose foot was found floating in one of the park's deepest hot springs in August. Los Angeles resident Il Hunro, 70, was identified in the last three weeks using DNA analysis, the park said in a news release on Thursday, and his family has been notified. The investigation determined, to the best of our knowledge, that an unwitnessed incident involving the individual happened on the morning of July 31st, 2022 at the Abyss Pool, and no foul play occurred, park officials said. Based on lack of evidence, the circumstances surrounding the death remain unknown. The Abyss Pool has a depth of up to 53 feet, according to the National Park Service. Its temperatures can reach approximately 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Water in these hot springs can severely burn visitors, the service warns on its website. This is not the first fatality in one of Yellowstone's thermal pools. According to data listed on the park's website, in August 2000, a person died after falling into a hot spring. And in June 2016, a man strayed from a designated path and slipped and fell into a different hot spring. The park's website says that over 20 people have been killed in the geysers throughout the park's history. Hot spring safety is not to be taken lightly. Listen fam, I know hot springs are fun. I know they're cool and they're beautiful and they make great Instagram posts. But don't fall in them. Don't fall in them. They're really hot. That's why we call them that. You don't want no part of that noise. Stay out of the hot springs fam. Stay alive. Also, some of them are full of acid and they will literally just melt you up. Just melt you right up. Stay safe out there. Our next story comes to us from The Guardian. U.S. approves largest dam removal in history to save endangered salmon. Yeah, this is good. This is good news. Four dams on California-Oregon's border to be decommissioned on the Klamath River, which fish use to reach spawning grounds. This was also published Thursday, November 17th, 2022. A U.S. agency seeking to restore habitat for endangered fish gave final approval on Thursday to decommission four dams straddling the California-Oregon border, the largest dam removal undertaking in U.S. history. Dam removal is expected to improve the health of the Klamath River, the route that Chinook salmon and endangered coho salmon take from the Pacific Ocean to their upstream spawning grounds, and from where the young fish return to the sea. The U.S. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission issued an order surrendering the dam licenses and approving removal of the dams. The project has long been a goal of several native tribes whose ancestors have lived off the salmon for centuries, but whose way of life was disrupted by European settlement 
and the demand for rural electrification in the 20th century. The Klamath salmon are coming home, Joseph James, chairman of the Yurok tribe, said in a statement. The people have earned this victory, and with it, we carry on our sacred duty to the fish that have sustained our people since the beginning of time. Climate change and drought have also stressed the salmon habitat. The river has become too warm and too full of parasites for many fish to survive. The dams on federal land, which at full capacity provide enough electricity for 70,000 homes, will be surrendered by the power utility Pacific Corp, a unit of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. Faced with costly new regulations that included building fish screens and ladders, the company instead entered an agreement with the tribes and the U.S. government to decommission the dams. Pacific Corp is contributing $200 million towards the dam removal project, paid for by a surcharge on its customers in Oregon and California, said Bob Gravely, a company spokesperson. And California voters approved a bond measure for the state to provide an additional $250 million. Well, that's cool. I don't know, that's, that's going to have some major downstream effects, pardon my river pun. I think that we can't really fully understand what that's even going to do. I don't know, who knows? This is going to be cool, though. I think there is a really good chance that the salmon will come back. From what I have seen in most of these kind of restoration projects where they restore habitat, salmon come back really fast within just a couple of years. So hopefully we can look forward to really increased health of these salmon runs on the Klamath River. Also, Pacific Corp, by the way, when you said you're contributing $200 million towards dam removal, that means that you are paying for it. So if you say you, you're contributing that, you cannot say it's paid for by a surcharge on its customers in Oregon and California. That means that they are paying for it, you son of a bitch. Come on, fucking rich people. Come on. Come on, Speaking of fucking rich people, our third story comes to us from Markets Insider. A new bankruptcy filing shows that the value of FTX's crypto holdings is just $659,000. After Sam Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF, said they were worth more than $5.5 billion. You're going to hear more about this story in the interview, so this is a nice little preface. The FTX Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing is shedding new light on just how bad the internal controls at the crypto exchange were up until it imploded in spectacular fashion last week. A particularly jarring disclosure is that the total fair value of crypto held by FTX International was just $659,000 as of the end of September, compared to claims from its founder that the company held $5.5 billion in quote-unquote less liquid crypto tokens. Never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as has occurred here. The new FTX CEO, John Ray III, who is overseeing the liquidation of the company said, it's quite a statement coming from Ray, especially considering that he oversaw the liquidation of Enron following their bankruptcy of over $60 billion in 2001. Clues were building that the internal numbers were going to be awful especially given that FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried caveated multiple tweet storms about the finances of FTX as approximate and to the best of my knowledge and treat all of these numbers as rough. All in, FTX's assets as of September 30th total about $2.2 billion, according to the bankruptcy filing, 
though it is unclear how different those numbers might be today given the recent run on the exchange and the high-profile hacks that occurred last week. Another example of how unprecedented the situation is includes the fact that Alameda Research, the crypto hedge fund run by Bankman-Fried that used customer deposits from FTX to plug its money-losing hole, gave Bankman-Fried a loan of $1 billion prior to going bankrupt. From compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated, and potentially compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented," Ray said. Wow. So this is continuing coverage on a story that has been unfolding for the last week or so. FTX, the popular crypto exchange that has been blowing up the last couple years, has gone tits up. It collapsed. The founder is now on the run. He was in the Bahamas. I think he's been detained. He has been detained, along with his co-founder. They are not charged with anything yet, but it's looking bad for them. They have taken a lot of money. They were mismanaging funds that people contributed to their exchange. It's, it's just really bad. We cover it pretty uh, thoroughly in the interview. So I talked about it with Matt, and you'll get to hear that. You'll get the full story. So. You can have that to look forward to. As for this, we'll continue the saga next week. We'll probably give you another update. If you had any money in FTX, I genuinely feel for you. I hope you were able to get it out before the whole collapse. I luckily didn't have anything in there. Sorry to all of you who lost money in there. That's really unfortunate. And that's all we've got this week for news and current events. Ramble by the River is supported in part by the contributions from our generous subscribers. We call them the Ram Fam, and this dynamic collection of individuals have decided that they love Ramble by the River and they want to see it thrive. They want to be a part of that driving force that allows little old me to create this show and share it with the world. So they went to ramblebytheriver.com and they clicked subscribe at the top of the screen. That brought them to the Patreon landing page where they selected their subscription level and received immediate access to countless hours of exclusive Ramble by the River content that cannot be found anywhere else. Subscribers get early access to each free episode, behind-the-scenes updates about the show, private messaging with yours truly, and best of all, access to Ramble on the Road, the companion podcast to Ramble by the River. This show is more personal, more intimate, and I record it from my truck as I drive, so it's full of real thoughts, real reactions, and real life. It's a good time. New subscribers to the Royal Rambler tier will get a free Ramble by the River t-shirt sent to them in the mail after their third month. So don't forget to put in your mailing address when you sign up. So if you want to help support this fine local production and become part of a wonderful community of like-minded listeners, go to ramblebytheriver.com, click subscribe at the top of the page, select your subscription tier, and get listening today. You can reach out to Ramble by the River on social media by going to Ramble by the River on Facebook and Instagram and Ramble River Pod on Twitter. You can find all this information at ramblebytheriver.com. And if you want links to any of the news stories today, check the show notes for this episode. My guest today is Matt Shannon. Matt is an information technology specialist who works in cybersecurity. He's worked for some high-profile companies, including Boeing and Amazon. He graduated from the University of Washington with degrees in philosophy and information technology. And he is a fellow Ilwaco High School alum. Matt's a hard worker and a really smart guy. Matt has built himself a very nice life, 
You'll hear about his humble beginnings, traveling the country with his family, selling Chinese glow sticks out of the family van, which also doubled as his school and his home. You'll hear about how he became a highly educated and successful IT professional in a competitive tech industry. And you'll hear me talk about myself, probably way too much, in a relentless attempt to make myself more relatable. Matt's a great guy. He's always been very kind and very thoughtful to me, and I've never seen him be mean to anybody else. He's just a really genuinely nice person. Growing up, I always admired him for that. Sometimes it was really clear to me as a kid uh, and teenager that Matt's home life was not that great, but that's just speculation. Who knows, really? I never once heard him complain or even say anything remotely negative or critical. The benefits of Matt's positive mental outlook are obvious and made evident by his successes in life. I've always rooted for this guy, and I can honestly say that he deserves every bit of success that he has had and every bit that he'll have in the future. Without further ado, please welcome the security engineer who lives without fear, Matthew Shannon. Check, one, two, three. Yeah, that looks good. Give me something. Yeah, I'll talk. <laughs> How is that? Pretty good. Pretty good. I like your right. lighting set up here. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've got it set up so I could record video, and mm -hmm. I, I'm not recording video. Too much, because it, it keeps crashing my computer. Yeah. All right. All right, so let's try to make the mules. I've never made them before, but I, that's what I order in a restaurant. Yeah, they're good. I like them. So I, I also have not made them. All right. So I think we do. Uh, we got ice in the mugs. I'm just going to look it up. That way it won't taste like shit. Easy. All right. So we got to first put in vodka. I got the Crystal Head vodka that Dan Aykroyd makes. <laughs> you have me one of those shot glasses. I can do that. Partial to vodka. I think it's probably my favorite spirit. Oh, you okay. That's what I was just going to ask. Are you a vodka man? Do you drink often? Uh, like once or twice a month, something like that. That's a pretty healthy amount. Probably less since the pandemic. It was more of a social thing. Oh, yeah. Me, so. Now it's pretty much only if I'm going out somewhere. Yeah, me too. I never drink at home unless I'm doing a podcast. God damn it. Making a mess. Sorry, Matt. Well, at least it's alcohol and it'll evaporate. That's looking at the bright side. <clears throat> okay, so the vodka's in there, then we do lime. Half a lime for you, half a lime for me. Squeeze that in there. That's a lot of lime. I didn't realize there was that much in there. 
Yeah, that is a lot of lime. Hopefully it's not too much lime. I just clicked in Google. I didn't even click one. I just did that bold text that they put at the top. It's like the top hit. Yeah. That thing is almost always wrong. Google seems less and less valuable. I agree. Like, it's like an old mall. I heard somebody say this on the internet. I'm not going to steal it, but I'm, I'm going to use it. It's like going into an old mall. Like, a few years ago, it was like, you walk around for a while, a lot of stores are kind of shitty, and you never do end up finding what you need. You just leave. Uh, and now it's just like totally defunct. None of the things that pop up are something you're looking for. It's all sponsored yep. links and a bunch of irrelevant misinformation. I've taken to putting like Reddit after anything. It's like, oh, we like whatever I'm looking for plus Reddit. And usually there's something because it's written by a person, not a corporation. Yep. And then ginger beer. I'm sure corporations are aware of that as well, though. Yeah. Putting like, it's especially like when I'm looking for. I don't know, what's the top 10 best computers this year or something like that, or graphics cards or something. Well, yeah, you can buy those spots. Yep. It's not really... Even the ones that don't say sponsored are usually, like, garbage. I don't trust them. Yeah. Because if you put the wrong thing, then you get no no hits at yep. all. Yeah. Keywords and SEO are all really important. And I cannot make myself care about that yeah. stuff. It's so hard to... Like a whole business around it. Yeah. Must have more ice. And then the final touch. Beautiful. A sprig of mint. Cheers. So welcome to the show. It tastes like a mule. Yeah, it's great. Mmm. Delicious. There's a couple different kinds of mules, right? I think there's probably endless varieties. I believe this is the classic. All right, let's get this party started, shall we? So welcome to the show. Have you ever listened to it before? I have. Okay, yeah. so you're familiar with the chaos. We <laughs> yeah. jump around. In general, but um, I want to hear about, well, a few different things. I've got some questions prepared, but um, the, just looking over your Facebook, the thing that jumped out at me, um, how long have you been working at Boeing? Uh, I am no longer working at Boeing. Oh, you're not? <laughs> how long have you not been working at Boeing? Uh, two years. Oh, it still says it on your Facebook, yeah. man. Got to update that. <laughs> so what are you doing now? Uh, I work at Amazon now. Oh, okay. Doing Speaking the same of, thing? Uh I should say all of my opinions are my own and not of any job I've had in oh, past, present, or future. That is Corporate awesome life. to hear because <laughs> that means now you'll say your real opinions yeah. instead of just saying whatever uh, one thinks. Yeah, yeah, same, same stuff. Um, one of my good friends and coworkers left Boeing and moved to Amazon on the team I'm on now, and I well, followed him. So IT, information technology, what exactly does that mean? Uh, I mean, it's the stuff that makes the world run. <laughs> um, I'm, For a Luddite, somebody who just barely can work a, a smartphone, what what exactly do you do in IT? Sure. So, gen IT generally, um, so you manage, like, corporate systems for web servers. So, like, there's a infrastructure behind websites to keep them up and running. And, like, if you're a big website, you're going to need to consider traffic coming from all around the world from potentially hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of users a day. And there's a lot of work to 
maintain that and make sure it doesn't go down, right? If Facebook goes down, a lot of people complain. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, oh, I mean, that's generally... Did you see that Twitter was running a dev build yesterday? No, I missed that. <laughs> that seems like a major mistake. <laughs> yep. Right in the uh, first week of Elon's It seems tenure. like there's a lot of stuff going on with Twitter right now. <laughs> I bet you that was not a mistake mistake. I bet you that was a, hey, let's make this look bad mistake from somebody who had access, but not <laughs> uh, good feelings towards Elon. The whole thing seems very tumultuous. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Firing 25% of your staff just off the cuff is... Pretty rough. Pretty yeah. rough first day. Yeah. Management's hard, though. I'm glad I don't have to worry about... I'm glad I don't have the ability to fire that many people. Yeah. I would not want to be a manager. It is no, not sometimes that's the goals. responsibility you have to do. I don't want to do that. Facebook just laid off, or Meta just laid yeah. off, like, 11,000 employees or something, too. One of my good friend, actually, is his girlfriend just got laid off. So, that sucks. Yeah. You know what I find interesting is that they're acting like it's because Mark Zuckerberg went all in on the metaverse. They're blaming that almost wholesale. That is not the reason. It's yeah. because Apple pulled out their ability to make money. Yep, that's exactly right. They can't make money on those ads anymore, and they lost like 40% of their yeah. profits. It's it's something crazy. It's I mean, it's a number of things. It's that, and then there's you know regulation coming down on them yeah. across the world. So. The 2016 election, their involvement yep. in that didn't help either. It seems like it's kind of been a steady decline since that, yeah. since that well, time. I mean, the, also why they renamed, right? <laughs> yeah. they. I think that's the thing. I think the metaverse was just like a Hail Mary. Yeah. It's like, we're we're on the slide here. We got to figure something out. This seems hip and people are talking about it. Little did they know that whole bubble was just going to fucking implode mm-hmm. so hard. It's just smoking crater now. It's a really hard time to be a tech company too. Uh, yeah. You know, as the Fed raises interest rates, you don't have access to easy access to capital anymore to keep growing, and those businesses are mostly focused on growth and not profits. Yeah, that makes it difficult. Why? Why do they focus on growth over profits? Uh, I mean, it's been the startup culture with Silicon Valley for a while. As long as you can keep people believing that you eventually you're going to be profitable because you'll have cornered the whole market, uh, people will keep investing in your product. I guess it did work for companies like Facebook. Mm-hmm. For they were. Cool not profitable for so long until the ad model became a thing. And then uh, that was pretty short-lived, really. They made all that money in a very short amount of time. Like Yeah, the last decade has been yeah, very profitable for tech 2011 or 12 through now. Yep. Yeah. Where do you think it goes from here? What's the next big thing? I think AR is something actually to look at. I mean, that's what I think is going to be a huge this coming decade. I think Apple has a product coming out next year, something like that. But I think they do. That's going to be pretty cool. Also, could have something to do with the reason why they decided to change their uh, privacy policies mm-hmm. towards knowing that would do Ad, that to yeah, Facebook. Ad, advertising specifically, yeah. Yeah, who's suddenly going to be a competitor in the AR yep. industry. Yeah, There's AR is pretty cool. There's huge potential in that. If, like, potential to replace like smartphones. The next big thing could be like AR glasses. So. Yeah. I would, I would wear them, sure, if they yeah. looked good and, and they weren't like, you know, causing radiation poisoning or whatever we'll find that we'll out get that like out in the beta <laughs> yeah seriously the health world is so insane right now nobody knows what reality is yeah talking to healthcare professionals versus talking to somebody who just gets their information from tv is a terrifying experience somebody who works in a hospital and the things that they say um they have a lot more in common with the conspiracy theorists than they do with the newscasters 
but we don't want to ruin our mood with talking about three, three foot blood clots. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. COVID changed the world forever in so many different ways. It seems like for technology, it probably had a pretty substantially positive impact overall because it forced it forced a lot of innovation really fast in a fast amount of time. What are the biggest changes you saw that, that stuck around? From COVID? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the work from home thing is huge uh, across a variety of industries. Like any anybody, yeah. any jobs where you don't have to be in person, I, we've seen a lot of movement towards work from home. And, Do you work from home? Yeah, pretty much full time. It's pretty nice, huh? Uh, I mean, it's mixed. I miss seeing people in the office, but like if no one's going in, there's no point for me to go in. Yeah. Who are you going to play air hockey with yourself? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean, I assume that's a tech company thing, right? They got the pool tables. Uh, Amazon's <laughs> frugal. Frugality is one of our leadership principles. Oh, yeah. They make you put a timer when you pee, right? Uh, <laughs> or is that just the people in the warehouse? Uh, no comment. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I won't bash. I won't bash Amazon. I am a big fan. I, I Sure, they do uh, have a reputation for being hard asses to their lower level employees, but um, they are an efficient company. They get stuff to your house so quickly. That would have been absolutely unheard of 20 years ago mm -hmm. to think that this would be a viable industry. Like the main way people get goods is to just get them on the internet and have them delivered right to your door. Yeah, it's a crazy concept. Right? Yeah. Just from like when we were growing up, you had to go places to get whatever. Or you wait like two weeks or for the Or mail. more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just the delivery, like the delivery services alone, that industry has improved so much because of Amazon. Right. It's not just Amazon. It's forced other companies to catch up. Like yeah. Walmart. And yeah. Target, whatever. They all have, you know, if not overnight delivery, it's not two weeks anymore. It's like, okay, they've, it yeah. takes three days or something. Oh, speaking of non-profitable companies, how does DoorDash make any fucking money? It seems like that would be such an like such a money pit of an industry. Like, how many times does this food need to change hands before it gets to the consumer? Yeah. Oh, I think a lot of companies like that are struggling right now. Like, how does that even exist? I, I thought the same thing about Uber, though, and they seem to be doing fine. Yeah, uh, they at least for Seattle, and I'm sure they're high or margin cities where they've passed legislation where they require certain levels of pay for the drivers. They've passed that on to the consumers, so it's like if you order something in Seattle. You get a surcharge that you, yeah. you're paying with the difference. I don't know how much taxis used to cost, but it cost me like 30 bucks to go from a hotel to downtown. It's like less than 10 minutes uh, the last time I stayed near Seattle. It seems like it's kind of wrapped back around where uh, when those businesses that were disrupting those industries, so like DoorDash and taxis and I don't know, Airbnb, um, it's back to the point where you're like, oh, maybe I should look at how much a hotel is. Or I never did you know. jump on the Airbnb train. I, we rented one for a bachelor party, but other than that, I just I like hotels. I've always loved hotels, yeah. even though they're filthy. They seem clean and like they just something about it. It's got a nice vibe. I enjoy going. Makes you feel like I don't know, fancy. It's just nice. Uh, if yeah, there are some uh, some cool things about Airbnbs. Just like little differences. You can end up in places where there aren't hotels, I think, because oh, yeah, it's both true. the advantage and disadvantage. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to sleep in their car. Yeah. When I first got together with Melissa, my wife, she, uh, she 
knowing her now, I would never have asked her to do that. But we, I took her on a road trip and I didn't even think about getting hotels. I was like, we'll just sleep in the van. I've got a van. We'll just sleep in the van. And uh, it ended up being a romantic trip. But I realized then that just like, she's just different type of people than me. I'm fine to sleep in a car for a couple of days. It's fine, but not, you know. Was this like a camper van or just No, it was just, a just, uh, just your regular like Dodge, like family van. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, now we always get hotels. She's... <laughs> She's definitely changed me. And I've fancied myself up a little bit too. I would, used to be fine with a Motel 6 or whatever, but now I just, I, I think Marriott's are nice. Anything below that, you know, kind of. Do you travel very much? No, nah, mostly just for kids' sports and mm-hmm. things like that. Me and Melissa will go on a vacation once a year, probably a short couple day thing, but nothing, nothing crazy. I saw a picture on your Facebook of you. It looked like you're in the Middle East holding some kind of a sandboard. <laughs> yeah, uh, Morocco. Morocco. Uh, North Africa. Oh, wow. Is that considered a Middle East? No. It's, it's definitely the hot, it, deserty area. Yeah, it was. It's There's a lot of Islamic culture there, but it's, it's, it's Northern Africa. Africa. Yeah. It's uh, on the western side. Oh, okay. Nice. So what were you doing Spain. out there? Vacation? Vacation. Yeah. Nice. You travel a lot? Like every two years, we'll go on a larger trip. Uh, we're actually going to the Philippines and Taiwan and South Korea in February. Cool. What do you do on vacation? Like, how do you vacation? Uh, food. I like food. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> me too. That's my favorite. Uh, I don't know. We also do, like, cultural stuff. I, I'm not big on museums or sites, but we'll, we'll You're not big them. on museums? I would see you as a museum okay. guy. Uh, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, we just went to the Maritime Museum in Astoria yesterday, and that uh-huh. was pretty cool. But, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, that's probably nostalgic for you too, just yeah. having grown up here and yep. knowing. Yeah, I've never been there. Yeah. And like, I, that museum's been there forever. So. Yeah, that's a cool building too, architecturally. The way it's shaped. Yeah, yeah it looks like kind of like a wave. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. Yeah, I didn't appreciate this area until leaving and then coming back as an adult and being like, oh, it's actually kind of a special place, like with the Coast Guard base and yep. kind of the military influence of that with, I mean, that's barely military, but with the uh, the fishing industry and kind of the, the grimier um, culture that, that kind of surrounds a fishing community, all that mixed together is kind of nice. And I wasn't really part of that. I was more part of like growing up the weird church people, yep. um, but... <laughs> Yeah, the uh, yeah. Were you into the weird church people group too? Yeah, I went to a lot of youth group growing up. Um, part of the Baptist church and near Ocean Park. Oh yeah, by the the Peninsula Baptist, the, oh. by the pool. I went there for a while. It was a good church. Yeah, I went to their summer camps mm. quite a bit as a kid. Did you go to Dunes Bible Camp? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. My nephew went this year. He was pretty excited. I never went to that one. I enjoyed it a lot. It was cool time to hang out with kids mm-hmm. and if i wasn't there i was my parents made me work in the yeah. summer so it was what, what were you what were you doing for work uh i don't know like cleaning up around our lot my dad is eternally building a house which is still not completed i was gonna ask about that is he still in that same lot yeah well they don't live there anymore they bought a place on whidbey oh cool uh, so yeah it's even less likely to get completed <laughs> i yeah. think uh, i'm gonna inherit it and have to do it mm-hmm are you handy? Do you like to build stuff? Uh, when it's I'm, when it's for I'm fun. into like electronic so oh, yeah. stuff that way. You build your own um, computers? Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. I guess I I wouldn't mind doing it. I don't know. It's kind of a job though. <laughs> Full time. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work. 
Yeah, it's, it really is. I like just owning a house that somebody else built and having to mm-hmm. fix it when it breaks. That's a lot of work on its own. When we bought our house, I was like, I don't want to fix it up. <laughs> yeah. And then we get into stuff and it's like, oh, I actually want this the way I want it and not how somebody else decided. You, you yeah. just, Like after a couple of years at a place, you start to notice the the flaws, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's like that everywhere too. You never, n- nothing ever stays new forever. You just, eventually it all feels the same. Like mm-hmm. no matter where I've lived after I'd say two years, even less one year, it's like, this is just my house again. It's like. Yep. My my piles of junk are all over the place in the same way I've always left them everywhere else. It's just, it looks like my house. Like, uh, no matter what, it just goes with you. But you always think, especially when I was a kid, I would, about how, like, oh, things would be so much different if I was in a nice house. And it's not true. You got to bring that attitude to the nice house to make it nice. Yep. Like, it's all about you. It all starts with you. So you had kind of a unique childhood um, with your parents building that house, right? So did you... Can you tell me about that a little bit? Because I know it was non-traditional. Oh, okay. How far back do you want to go? <laughs> as far back as you want to start. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. When I first met you, it was probably fifth grade. And did you, you see that presentation I did? Which Come one? In, but we came back from a trip because my parents took me out of school for I don't know, four months. I'm months. sure I saw it. Yeah, they made us do a whole presentation thing with like poster board and okay. in order to get credit. <laughs> was that in like sixth grade? Fifth, I think. Fifth, I, I do fifth remember or that. Six. I do not, remember it might that. Have been six. Yeah, when I when I first remember seeing you though, I remember because you were in my brother's class. They were in fourth, mm-hmm. fifth split, and you guys were in a play together. And um, you, you and Jake were kind of buddies, right? Yeah. And I remember you were my age. I was like, oh, I'm going to know this guy at some point. And that's the first. And you you dressed differently than the other kids, and you had a lot of keys. And uh, on a necklace. And I was like, this guy's got something. A little pizzazz. Okay. I remember that now that you said that, but I haven't thought about that in years. I don't know what the keys were to, but you jingled. (laughs) My parents, my dad especially, always has like this gigantic thing of keys. It'll be like a hundred keys. Does he know know what they're all to? No. (laughs) I I just went through my key ring the other day. I didn't know what half of them were to. It's weird. I'm not even sure I know what all the keys on my key ring are too. And I only have like 10 or Yeah, because how often do you get rid of keys? Right. Like somebody gives you a key You might need it at some point. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. I think I changed the locks to... My my wife, uh, her car at work got broken into and somebody stole her purse and her keys were on it. So I had to re-key the locks to the That's a pain door. in the ass. Yeah. I was I was like, oh, I can do this myself. And so I did it myself. Yeah. But uh, I had to re-key our garage door and our front door of the the same key mm-hmm. and so i had to rekey and bolt the same but uh i think i still have the previous keys on my key ring oh yeah i think that's what why i don't know what all of them are <laughs> yeah uh but yeah uh well my well, let's see how far back do i want to go i was homeschooled until fifth grade okay so you were that was your first time with, that was my first time uh, in, with... in public school okay sort of i went to half of fifth grade in whidbey Okay. In Coopville. Uh, or like first through December or something. So up to up to fifth grade, homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should say, I think I went to school briefly in third grade in Texas. Were you guys just traveling a lot? Yeah. So my parents, uh, growing up, the way they made money was selling at festivals. I'm sure you saw us selling stuff at yeah. some point. So. Like handmade stuff? Yeah. Uh, some of that, yeah, and then also like imported toys from like 
China. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, like poppets. Yeah. You know, those you throw them on the ground, they explode. Or like festival type yeah, yeah. stuff. Like the guy with all the bubble wands. Exactly. And that yep. kind of stuff. Yeah. Is there money in that? Enough to survive in Long Beach. <laughs> yeah. But not uh, enough. I don't know about now. Yeah. I, I think that's maybe kind of gone away. With now cell everything is like things. that. <laughs> Everyone's selling anything in this country, is selling Chinese stuff. Yep. So you guys are traveling around selling Chinese goods. Yeah. So that meant we traveled a lot, right? Because in the winter up here, there's not a lot of outdoor festivals to sell things at. So uh, we'd move to like California or Texas and live out of our van. Van uh, life. Yeah. That's very trendy now. <laughs> and that was up until fifth grade. So that's, you know. Mm-hmm. We were, that's why we were homeschooled. You know, it's crazy as an adult now to think about 10 years doesn't feel like a crazy amount of time. Like 10 years from now, it's not going to seem like that much amount of time. But to my kids, it's like huge. Um, it's So like the, the period of time from birth to fifth grade to your parents is it was probably just like, we're just getting by, you know, we're doing our thing. It's yep. just, it goes by really quick. And to you, it's just like, this is my life like this is the first foundational experiences i'll ever have this is the i'm building the lens through which i will see the entire rest of my life and it's it's hard to appreciate that when you're in it because either you're the kid and you have no idea or you're the adult and you're just trying to live like you're just trying to get by and then in retrospect you can look back and see like where like what it actually was does that make sense yeah like when I look back at my own childhood and how substantial some of these experiences I had were to me, and they were just nothing to my parents because it was just part of their everyday life. It's, it's I don't know, it's interesting. It makes me be try to be a more conscious parent about the stuff that I think is no big deal. <laughs> and then I, I'm like, maybe I don't think it's a big deal, but that maybe affected my kid more than it would have affected me. And I have to be aware of that as well. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, I I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> I I remember my dad was late to my birthday party or something, and I was very upset about it one year. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'd invited a bunch of people, and then like they were already at the. I think I was at oh I don't know uh, the park by Cape Disappointment. Okay. okay. Uh, this was probably fifth grade actually. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and it was a big deal to me, but you know he was. Yeah. He had other stuff. He had work to do. He's like, I got to finish this up before I go down there. And so we ended up being late. So, yeah. That's a perfect example. Because that's something that I would. That and I would, still remember it. Right? Like, exactly. It's, exactly. It's not a big deal now. but And you even now know that it wasn't a big deal then. Yeah. But that little boy in there still is still hurt by it. It doesn't matter uh, like what kind of rationalizations you throw on top of it. You have to actually like acknowledge pain from the perspective of the little kid and be like, it's okay that that hurt, um, which is hard to do. It's hard to do. Do you still have a good relationship with your parents? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've been seeing them a lot more lately just because my dad's having health issues. Oh, I'm um, sorry, man. Yeah. He just got diagnosed with prostate cancer like two weeks ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. We're dealing with that. We're, that sucks. But we're visiting a lot now. It was kind of hard during COVID because, you know, didn't want to get him sick. Yeah, that was shitty. That was a really horrible time. I'm glad people can hug again. Mm-hmm. That has made the world a better place, but yeah. still is weird, but it's definitely improving. But like, so now we're seeing them every other week yeah. or something, something like that. So, How far along is it? Uh, it sounds like he's going to be okay. Oh, good. Uh, 
very high chance of survival, like ninety seven percent. I think. Oh, that's great. That's but great. I think it's still going to be rough on him. The yeah. Treatment and stuff. I've got a friend who's dealing with that right now, and he's like, "It's yeah, fucking sucks." I am very grateful that my parents let me know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, you know, you, you kind of think that you don't think about how much time you have left with people until something like that happens. It's yeah. Like, at some point, you're going to have a moment that's the last moment with them. And you yeah. probably won't know when it is. I think about that often because so I got my older kids when they were five and seven. And so I missed the baby baby stage. I didn't get to do that. So when I had my daughter, Amelia, I... I knew, and I got a vasectomy when she was like three months old. So I'm like, this is it. This is the only time you get to have a, a newborn. Whether she's like goo goo gaga, adorable, or screaming, it's the only time. So like, appreciate it for what it is, even if it's even if it's unpleasant. Like, this is part of being a human. Is like understanding the highs and the lows, riding those waves, and being in it, and not just constantly trying to remove yourself from moments that you find unpleasant. Being in it is like that's. That's why we're here. That's the whole zest of life is like being in those moments with people. It doesn't mean anything when you're having those experiences alone. That's not to say you can't have meaningful experiences alone if anyone's listening to this alone and is offended by that. I'm just saying meaning is derived from shared experiences. I really do believe that. Yeah. But it's hard to uh, appreciate the hard stuff in the moment. Anyway, I think we got distracted. Um, We were talking about your childhood. Yeah, so, so yeah, so fifth grade was, we went to school on Whidbey. We lived uh, in, a, like, a trailer park up there for a while, uh, a couple months. And through the summer, I suppose. It was, like, because I went to summer school up there, so I guess that would be fourth grade through beginning of fifth grade. Did you know that you were smart then? Like, even Because no. you were in homeschool, you didn't yeah, have a lot to compare it to. Because right. um, I remember when you showed up in public school, you were, like, you knew a lot more than most of the other kids. Uh, I probably, probably the first time I noticed that was when we were doing like reading comprehension tests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were one of the smart mats. (laughs) One of the smart mats. We had a few. (laughs) Uh, No, like I, I remember a handful of kids that I, I considered to be my intellectual equals or betters. And you were definitely in that mix. Matt Bellinger, Matt Shannon, Laura Schott. Um, let's, there wasn't that many. If I'm forgetting you, you weren't smart enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you were definitely a bright kid. So you must, you guys must have actually done lessons and stuff in homeschool. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I was pretty good at self study. So like we had these workbooks and you had to work through them. I also liked to read a lot. I mean, we were in a van. There was no TV, so mm-hmm. you know you read. <laughs> what kind of stuff did you like? Um, I'm big in fantasy. Uh, the first book I remember getting was from one of my dad's high school friends or his wife. Uh, she gave me one of the Redwall series oh, of books. I fucking love Redwall. And Wall. I was like hooked at that point on. That and Manic McGee or something, something like that. There's this book called Bipolar McGee. Bob or something. <laughs> something. It's this kid who just like runs all over town solving problems. Like he untangles this uh, knot that nobody had been able to untangle. He's like a MacGyver of, of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, but those two books, and I was like, okay, I like reading. I'm going to keep reading. Yeah, it really is. Uh, reading is the magic key to take you where you want to be. It's the truth. It's the truth. I, I don't think I would be the person I am without reading, because I, I think that's the only thing that 
really gave me a leg up is I, I loved to read early. So, and my parents would read to me as a little kid a lot. Did your parents read your books when you were a kid? My grandmother did. Your grandma, somebody's yeah. got to. It makes such a big deal in your verbal abilities, yep. like your ability to put together a sentence. Like I remember when we first started writing in like real writing, fourth, fifth grade area. It was way, it was easy. I was just like, oh, it's just like flows out of my head because I've read so many damn books that I know how it would sound in a book. It's almost like that predictive AI. Have you seen that GP, GPC3, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, GPT3. GPT3. That shit is amazing. You know, the text generation stuff. Yeah. yeah, which I think is the same structure that they use for the image generation yep. stuff yeah. too. They just feed it different data. Yeah. yeah. I got access to that Dolly too. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I was on um, this project about a year ago called Contrastive, which was uh, same trying to do the same thing, AI image generation from text prompts. And um, they ended up going belly up about three months ago or four months ago now probably but hard time for tech (laughs) yeah yeah but i've been very interested in those image generators just because i remember not a long time ago maybe four or five years ago looking at pictures that were generated by ai and you could barely make out a human face they were really small too right they were like 40 pixels by 40 pixels or maybe maybe slightly and like pictures of just smears or or nothing and now what they can do is just unreal. Like there's the mid journey is really good. And because uh, that one does faces too. I think I played with that a little bit. It's really yeah. cool. But Dolly 2 contorts the faces, I think, for legal reasons. Like they don't want somebody to make yeah. fakes. I think I people. played with that and I was like trying to generate like Natalie Portman or something. I'm like, oh, that, that's a scary face. <laughs> yeah, they won't let you do it. Yeah, they give you horrifying yeah. faces. It's not as good, but. Doesn't matter. A f- very short time from now, everything will be fakeable. It's it's fakeable now, but you just kind of need to have a little bit of technical savvy. Yeah, I've seen some uh, I don't know, like beta builds of voice stuff where they can emulate people's voices. Yeah, that's available now. Uh, I just saw Elon Musk talking about it yesterday, um, and I looked up the thing, the product he's talking about, and you can do Morgan Freeman, uh, you, every famous voice you can think of, uh, just voice modulator that just put your voice right in it. And it does the intonation and like the patterning of the voices too, which is like the most important part. Cause you can get the, like the timbre. And if you don't phrase things the way that the person does, or you don't like pause where they would pause, it doesn't sound like the person. Yeah. It's crazy what they can do. They did a AI podcast with Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs it was completely 100% generated from artificial intelligence. The content as well content, mm-hmm. everything. Just from listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and then listening to recordings of Steve Jobs um, giving conversations and having yeah. sp- giving it's speeches. It's both very um, promising and also very scary at the same time. Ultimate potential in both directions. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most positive potential you can see? Oh, I mean, just like the amount of content that can be generated. Um, there's well, let me back up a bit. I, th- I think what is likely to happen, at least in the short term, is for this to be another tool for designers and creative people. Freeing uh, up their minds to create more right, human Right, they're going to be thinking about the prompts to feed into this to get stuff out. Um, yeah, that's going to be a whole new job, is a, prop, yep. a prompt engineer. Is like and knowing, then like picking which of the results you want out. Yeah. And then maybe feeding that back into the model. That's how you get the really good ones is you take a gym, an image that was generated by the AI and put it back into yep. the same AI until it had to tweak it. 
and then you get stuff that's really cool. Yeah. So I think that's probably a lot of creative, like people who are working on creative endeavors right now are going to start using these as tools Mm -hmm. and free up a lot of the busy work that they're doing. Yeah. It does take a lot of time. If you want to do anything creative, just making content to advertise your creative endeavor is a whole time, full-time job in itself. Like the podcast is a great example. I just wanted to make a podcast. I just wanted to have conversations with people and record them and then send it out. Like that, I thought that would be that easy. Like I thought the podcast would get posted right after I recorded it because it's just a conversation that just, you know, gets pumped out. Yeah. It, it was so much different than that. It takes me hours and hours to edit these. And um, I have even almost completely stopped doing social media stuff just because I got burned out. I was just like, I can't do it anymore. That might not be the worst thing. <laughs> it's just not good for your head. Yeah. It's like, I don't even, I have a, a strong desire to not be perceived. I don't want people to, to look at me and, and have to opinions. perceive me. <laughs> yes. And yet I feel strongly obligated to post these videos of myself talking or, or pictures of myself so that I'm on people's minds so that they listen to my podcast, even though I don't actually want them to think about me. <laughs> or, so I'm posting these things that I don't actually want to post for people who don't actually want to see them. And I'm, I'm asking them to like it, even though they don't. And uh, why? Like, why? Why Why make yourself... And then I'm checking back to see if they liked the thing that I didn't even want them to see. Like, what yep. the fuck? That makes no <laughs> sense. Why would I do that? So instead, I'm just going to make podcasts because I think it's fun. And then that's all I'm going to do. Like, I have to say back to the technical issues with your podcast, I really think your audio, audio quality is really good. Thank um, you. Thank it's you. very noticeable when a podcast doesn't have good audio. I turn it off right away. Yep. I do not. It's grating like, to your ears. Yeah. And it's really easy to make one like that. It's yep. like hard not to because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I had no idea how much went into just getting good quality sound. It's like the mics, yep. these mics do a lot of the work on their own. Um, the Sure mic is a really foolproof a piece of equipment but even with stuff like that the blue yeti you can make a good podcast with that mm. same with the, the, the editing thing that's equipment. noticeable to me uh if it's a bad podcast it's like clipping up at the the top end i think that's the term i'm not an audio yeah. engineer but uh, or like like a high-pitched whistle when somebody talks I, mm-hmm. whatever the term for that is but yeah you can get rid of that with limiters yeah. i didn't know i just learned about those like six months ago i've learned a lot about um how to make the quality sound just from trying to learn how to produce music and it's so much harder to produce music like to get a song that actually sounds full and balanced is to me impossible but i think even to really good producers quite difficult it's not just as the just recording someone playing music you have to balance it and and somehow get it to fill the the whole sound and it's almost like you're working on a 3d art like a a 3d landscape of sound but it's completely visual in your head only. Like when you look at it on the, the, the bars on the screen are not three dimensional. Mm-hmm. It's two dimensional. It's working, you know, linear. That's not how you have to think about it if you want it to be full. And like, there's just, it's almost like there's another dimension that you have to pay attention to that is not time and not, it's almost a spatial dimension, but it's in sound. It's confusing as hell. Yeah. And I had no idea. And I, cause I like making music. I think it's really fun. <clears throat> but it's hard. Yeah, I'm talking too much. Do you think you notice defects more because you're producing music? Like, has it changed how you perceive other types of music that are not your? Actually, own? yeah, but but po- in a positive way. 
it makes me I, I can really appreciate pop shitty pop songs just for what they are like this is just a product that somebody made this doesn't have to be a, per, a piece of art that speaks to me personally for me to understand like this is a well-made product it's a it's a piece of art in a way a pop song that doesn't really have a lot of artistic value is still has economic value and it still has like technical value because it's still hard as hell to make yeah there's a lot of work going into producing it yeah and i think i was i for a lot of my life i've been able to look down my nose at pop music um that that i didn't personally like even though i love tons of shitty pop music the the stuff that wasn't my style i would always act like i'm better than that (laughs) but now i don't i don't really think that at all i think it's all really difficult to make what kind of music do you listen to Oh, I would listen to a lot of stuff. Uh, Actually, it depends a better what question. I'm doing. It's activity based. I what think, service do you listen to? How do you get YouTube your music? music. YouTube music. Uh, because I don't want ads on YouTube mostly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's a bundled music service, so I use it. It's is that fine. the same as YouTube TV? Is it, is like... No, I think you have to pay extra for that. That's, okay. that's the like you get live TV and stuff. Okay. Like cable networks? Uh huh. I think so. Oh. I don't, well, I don't subscribe to it, but I, I think so. Yeah, I'd never known what it was. I think they have was. like sports and stuff on it. YouTube has a lot of different versions now that yeah. I was completely unaware of. Um, YouTube Shorts. I just found out about this. This is TikTok for YouTube. Yeah, I have not been impressed by that. They keep uh, sending you the same thing over and over again. Like you watch something and then like I've seen you go before. back to watch it and then like a week later it'll be the same short. So. Yeah, that's no good. I'm sure their uh, their algorithm will improve. They need to get some of those TikTok designers on mm-hmm. for their algorithm because they are good. I, they're, I recently uninstalled TikTok. I have been tempted. Yeah. It's reading my mind. I don't know how it's it does very it. very good. Yeah. It's, the statistical probability of it being able to predict some of the things that it predicts that I have already been thinking about, that it, now I'm watching videos about it, is astronomically small. Yeah. Like their model must be so fucking good and it must be taking data points in ways that I'm unaware of because I didn't read the terms of service. And the parts that Joe Rogan read to me scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, there have been uh, some security issues, I think. With they read all your text well. messages. Yeah. They take all your pictures. They take. They can check your email. Like, they can go through any part of your phone. That's not good. Yeah, that, that was part of my company. choice. <laughs> but they are the very best at providing a three-minute video that I actually want to watch. Yeah, I was spending, I don't know, 30 minutes a day just watching meaningless videos <laughs> so just barely getting your feet wet yeah yeah right but <laughs> some I mean, people are like five six hours on there like yeah. five six hours a day kids what is that doing to your brain like can you imagine what that's doing to their brains mm-hmm. i i think it's doing nothing i think it's making their brains just go into a frozen state of animation well, it's not like you just... learned anything from it like most of it's just entertaining but even if it's like some kind of educational tiktok let's say how to cook something mm-hmm. it's gone as soon as you get to the next video exactly that's the thing you're not getting any integration there's no there's no integration of that knowledge into your existing knowledge base yeah. it's just sugar yep it's just tastes like, good oh, for I like a second watching this. <laughs> yeah it's not it's not really healthy in the long run it's different than YouTube, too, because with YouTube, you can set an intention and be like, I'm going to go learn how to play guitar. And then mm. you find yourself guitar lessons and you sit down with your guitar and you play the lesson and do the thing. But it's not like that with TikTok. It's just like, I want to turn into a zombie, yep. open the app, and you're already in a video. There's not even a home screen. You're just already in a video. And then it's actually something you probably care about or that you're probably interested in or 
something. I get a lot of uh, conspiracy shit. And it's actually changed the way that I think about conspiracies because just the sheer level of exposure. Like, if you see people over and over and over again who all believe the same nonsense, even if you know it's nonsense to begin with, it starts to be the world that you operate in. Yeah, or you're just like, well, maybe there's something to it. And there probably is something, but probably not what those crazy people think and probably not whatever conclusions you're brain is going to put together based on tiktok videos Mm -hmm. like yeah i don't know (laughs) but the world's a different place than it it was a very short time ago and tiktok has got a lot to do with it yep do you have social media in general yeah Yeah. social media in general i think facebook is dead i don't do you ever post on facebook no when's the last time you did Uh, i have no idea i don't even have that on my phone i only check it from my computer yeah it's it feels like a waste of time I can't even, I can't recall the last time I did. It's months, at least. It stopped giving me dopamine like six years ago. And I really haven't it used it It just made me mad, I think. <laughs> do you use Twitter? It's like, uh, I do for work. Does that make you mad? Not really. Well, then you're more doing lately, it wrong. More lately. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing a lot more of not, so I, I'm a security engineer uh, at Amazon. And so there's a lot of like cutting edge security research on Twitter. Uh so that's why I use Twitter. I don't follow any personal answer stuff. But now they've been sprinkling a lot of just random stuff into my feed. And mm-hmm. it's just like stuff to make me upset, I think. Yeah. That's that's what it feels like. That's uh, probably what it is. Yeah. I mean, they've pretty much to get you to interact with for it, a long right? time that that's what they do. Yeah. Outrage makes more clicks than joy or peace or anything mm-hmm. that's actually beneficial to society. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a major problem. I thought it was your wife, but it's my daughter. (laughs) You can sit on my lap. You just gotta be quiet. Um, Okay, so you mentioned internet security, not internet security, but IT security. What is it that people don't understand about online security that uh, you think that they should know? Okay. Oh, I, sh- I should make clear that I'm a security engineer for corporations, so my experience is focused there. But you're also human. Uh, but uh, I would say the the way most people's accounts and personal lives gets compromised is one of two ways. Either somebody fishes you, so they convince, they send you an email, probably, uh, or text message these days, um, and they convince you to click a link and enter your password somewhere. Uh, or some service that you use gets compromised and they get your password that way. And a lot of people reuse their passwords uh, on multiple websites. And so if your password on your bank account is the same as, you know, this random site you don't care about, uh, some blog somewhere, um, then all of a sudden somebody can get into your bank account. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty bad. But everyone's always heard that. Everyone always, oh, don't reuse passwords. But people still do constantly. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't feel anything happen because a lot of attacks now happen and you don't ever know, right? What do you mean? Is it possible for somebody to get your access to your phone? Um, I forget what the name of that virus was that... I don't even think they call them viruses anymore, but whatever the malware that 
it can it gets a backdoor to your phone to where they can get in and get basically like a phantom version of your phone and they okay. can see everything you're doing, everything that you you have access to, and you will never know. I would say most people don't need to worry about that. Or Okay, bye sweetie. Love you. Most people don't need to worry about that because they're I not would targets. Say, yeah, that's that's why. But uh, if they are targets, right? So so okay. The the thing most people should do is consider what is called a, their threat model, um, which is who who do you need to be concerned about? What what who's going to target you? Um, if you're just an everyday person, you don't have political connections, you're not uh, an activist, you probably don't need to worry about somebody directly targeting you. What and if more you are, about, then, then, then you they have, have your difference. shit anyway. Probably. Um, but, yeah. but there are, if you're one of those high risk groups, then you're going to have to make a large number of changes that are going to mean differences in the way you do things than a normal person would, right? It means you don't install certain apps on your phone. Like TikTok. Sure. Yeah. Uh, or Face face app or whatever that right. Russian one you, was. You probably use encrypted messaging of some kind. Like it's, There's a whole set of things you're going to have to do to protect yourself because you are going to get targeted by more sophisticated adversaries. I'm glad I don't have anything people want. <laughs> yeah. That could be definitely problematic. It's it's yeah. hassle enough just to manage passwords as an individual citizen, mm-hmm. just to know like I'm somewhat secure, even though I get an email every six months about some big data breach that I was involved in. Yeah, it's pretty regular these days. It sucks. Um, for me, I just don't know most of my passwords uh, because I use a password manager. Like the Apple one? Yeah, Apple one's good. Uh, I use KeePass. I'm an Android Windows guy. Oh, but... Android guy, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Just Android? No, not You're not a both? Uh, I have a Mac for work. Okay, so you're in the walled garden, but you don't like it there. (laughs) No, that is specifically why. (laughs) Yeah, it is a problem for me too. Yeah, 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 you don't want to call somebody and take the thing in to get access. So, yeah, why? I don't know. Why don't they just open them up a little bit more? They could. Yeah, I mean, also they should standardize their fucking (laughs) plugs. That's something that drives me nuts. Aren't they moving to USB-C? There's some EU thing that just came out. They're supposed to be, and they're like somewhat moving into that uh, realm. But I don't know. It almost seems like Apple, they build everything so nice and and pretty and perfect. And then they just want to make sure to to jab you once in a very obvious way, like not giving you a headphone jack Mm. or not giving you like this has two USB-C. not USB-C. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, It's just like, come on. But I don't know. Yeah, I I hate how few ports laptops have now. Yeah, it's really annoying. This should like be if you want to have a USB C, you get one other thing. That's exactly. It. I'm using all kinds of adapters yep. and docks. I think I things. have that same one or one very similar. The, it's a good one. The black one. Yeah. It's a good one. You can plug the USB C into that one mm-hmm. and then plug it into the computer. It makes yeah. Difference. I do like that it it powers the laptops now. That's yeah, nice. that is pretty cool. Yeah, the, I mean, shouldn't complain. The technology is amazing. I can't even believe that it does some of the things that it does. I remember, I mean, when we were in high school, you couldn't really be on two websites at the same time. It would yeah, shut your computer down. To load too. Yeah, it was like, talk about having multiple tabs open. Are yeah. you crazy? We're very spoiled now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm really bad with tabs, uh, both at work and at home. I just have like 100 tabs open. Oh, man, that would cause so much anxiety in my I've head. got browser extensions where you like can do tab groups. Oh, yeah. And I still have like 100 tabs in, in a group. <laughs> but doesn't that, do, like, doesn't that eat up your RAM? 
Um, no, usually they'll like sleep. The, they, they just keep track of what the URLs are and then reopen them as you open. Oh them. yeah, that makes sense. Something about like it's like uh, it it feels like tabs in my actual mind. Like uh, I need to be able to close them and delete them and close mm-hmm. them. like everything has to be closed on my desktop. I can't see any I think see there's, a, there's a low level of frustration for me from that probably all the time, but a little it's like a burner. lot of work to yeah. <laughs> go back. Yeah. I'll end up like reopening pages that I already have open, you know, 10 tabs. Oh, yeah. Ago. Yeah, it's like you have a giant junk pile full of tools yeah, it's, it's and you great. just go buy the new tool because you don't want to dig through the junk pile That's to exactly find what it. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So how long have you been married now? Oh, you're going to get me in trouble. Uh, eight years, 2014. 2014. Nice. Let me think back. What was happening in 2014? God, that was a fucking miserable year in my life. <laughs> Sounds like it was a good one for you, though. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Where'd you guys go on your honeymoon? Uh, Chicago. Oh. Yeah. The, um, the Windy City. We we paid for our own wedding, so we were kind of broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we went to Chicago and indianapolis for a board gaming convention then hit up the dunes park that's like giant sand dunes uh right on the great lakes oh cool it's really cool it was weird the, those lakes are so big yeah they're confusing to me it's like they're it's like you're on the ocean it's like it just, was very just strange. call it a small sea yeah just call it an inland sea there yeah the fact that they have like Do weather seas have and to be salty i don't know probably because maybe that's why they don't call them that. I, yeah, that makes I, sense. I don't, know. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a waterographer. Yeah. <laughs> Hydrologist. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're they're cool though. I've never been. I've never been to that part of the country. Period. I forget it exists sometimes. Yeah. To be honest. It's like oh yeah, there's a Minnesota. Did I answer all your uh, what you were asking about growing up? I think we mostly we've my questions are diverged. mostly just <laughs> conversation stimulators. Okay. So wherever they yeah, go, I ended up in, here in fifth grade. So. Fifth grade, Hank the cow dog. You were in a production. Uh huh. I was, if I recall. I was a narrator. Oh yeah, you were. Uh, here's something. Uh, so you studied philosophy at the University of Washington. I did. How did you find yourself in the philosophy department? And then what did you take away from that experience? Yeah. Um, I took. Uh, a class my freshman year and like the intro to philosophy class and 101 or whatever and i just really liked the way you get to structure arguments and like make a point and then support it with facts it's um, wonderful yeah I it's one of really the best communication it. styles ever <laughs> it's great i i'm probably over i've gotten better but i think especially like in high school and i was fairly argumentative and you know it's how my dad communicated with me so you're also very polite though so you never came off as an asshole but like if if you could support your reasoning you got what you wanted and so i sort of learned how to do that with my parents it's a good skill yeah uh but so then i took a class on like this is how you do it and you get to back up your um your arguments and prove a point and i really enjoyed that and then so i'm like oh i'll take a couple more classes maybe get a minor and I got really into logic. Um, I really liked logic, um, like formal logic, which is for your listeners who don't know, it's it's very similar to math. It's a lot of uh, word math. Yeah, it's like word math, and it's like the algebra part of math. I think that's right. That's where you're, where you're working with letters, right? Um, a lot of that. A lot of just if like, then. Yep. Conditional statements. statements, and from this and this, you can prove this. Um, I really enjoyed that, and then I took all the way through graduate courses uh, in logic. 
And at that point, I was like, well, if I just take a couple more classes, I can get a major. So, Do you ever find that in conversations with people who do not have any kind of background in logic or philosophy of any kind, you ever get really frustrated because they don't know how to argue properly? It's like, that's yeah. a fallacy. You just engaged in a logical fallacy right there. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? I find that people shut down if you say that. But, they definitely do. Uh, and then they yeah, think they no, won. there's a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people don't have reasons for their beliefs. Yeah. Or they're like poorly supported. But if you point it out, it, you just end up going in circles. Um, I think it would be really valuable if we taught people like lo- logical reasoning or everyone should how know to structure that. an argument and or and, just like what the fallacies of logic are sure. like cuz yeah. everyone they're human nature that's the whole point of why we have identified them is like everyone will engage in these if mm-hmm. they're not aware of it it's just like that's how our brains work where we pursue self-interest yep. and we look for confirming things that confirm our existing beliefs but once you are aware of that you can kind of get around those things and and that's what makes people intelligent is the ability to just get above our, our natural human instincts to try to be right and try to be creatures of ego and actually try to find some fucking truth. Yeah. Like that's what's way more important. I've found it's best to just, if, if you're arguing with someone like that, uh, probably just stop arguing, <laughs> but uh, lay out the facts of, you know, how you reach your conclusion and they'll either follow them or they'll still want to keep their opinion. And then, you know, yeah. conversation's kind of over at that point. You're just, arguing with yourself i don't like arguing with people who are emotionally tied to their argument Mm -hmm. like who who feel like their identity is tied up in it i think that's a very valuable skill to have is to be able to look at the other person's perspective on the argument like instead of attacking like a straw man of the other person's argument find what their weak or their, their strongest version of that argument is how would you make the best case for their argument and then can you argue it against that do you have proof like are you able to refute the best version of their argument. It's a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have a lot more confidence in your own logical abilities to be mm-hmm. able to take that perspective. But imagine how much faster progress gets made when everyone does that. Like you give the most generous interpretation of somebody's actions and behaviors and then respond to what they call that like a goal, what steel man, right? Mm-hmm. You're steel yeah, manning yeah. instead steel. of straw manning. Yep. Yeah. That's a yeah, it's a great. Well, and for a lot of things there isn't really a a hundred percent correct answer like maybe neither of the answers are right almost nothing has a hundred percent correct and then you can realize that and say okay well maybe we're both right here let's come to some kind of compromise yeah i think a lot of it just has to do with identity people people get so tied up in being seen a certain way or being seeing themselves a certain way like i'm smarter than this person so if if we have a disagreement, I have to be right. Like my identity, it depends on it because if I'm not, who the fuck am I? If I'm not the guy who's right over this dumbass, whoever that is. And it's just like, no, we're all dumbasses, but we can all also be right. At the end of the day, we're all one big thing and we're all trying to figure it out as we go. So it's, it's best to just try to find that, that middle ground where you can both connect and find the truth. And that's really, it's the, it's the only way to do it. Nobody wins. Nobody really wins. Arguments are just about finding the truth. Yeah. I'm gonna go close that door, I'm cold. You mind if I grab a water? Yeah, go for it. Uh, this is gonna sound like a crazy question, but it's it just keeps popping into my head. Did you know somebody named Peaceful Dan? Yeah. I knew it, yeah. I knew he it. He worked for my dad for quite a while. Okay, we're going down the Peaceful <laughs> Daniel Miller <laughs> okay. road. 
Peaceful Dan popped into my life when I was probably six or seven years old. Like, I was a young kid. He rolled up with my Uncle Chris. Um, I don't know where they found each other, but they came, uh, showed up at my house, and Dan was selling these little leather pouches, little leather medicine pouches that he was, I don't know where he got them, but slinging medicine pouches and uh, just like a larger-than-life character. We called him Hippie Dan. He wanted to be called Peaceful Dan. Yep. <laughs> um, but we called him Hippie Dan. And uh, he was a great dude. And he, like, I mean, he was a severe alcoholic. And he, like, he had his demons. But he could balance a full-size wheelbarrow on his chin as long as you want and uh, not drop it. And um, he was just like a all-around kind of a cool, cool dude. Lived in a van in the woods behind my dad's shop for several years. And... Um, yeah, he was just one of the colorful characters of my life. Uh, one of like a collection of six or seven dudes that my dad was friends with, uh, or or I don't know, friends, but had some kind of relationship that kept them popping in our life. And Dan was one of those guys. And um, yeah, I don't, I have forgotten completely that you knew him. I was just getting ready for this podcast, and that his name kept popping into my head, <laughs> and I was like. Is there? Is it possible that Matt knew Hippie Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you did. So, what was your what was your interactions with yeah, Peaceful so Dan? I'm, as we mentioned earlier, my dad's been building a house for forever, uh, and my dad hired him to help build the house, whatever the the construction task might be, move dirt or pour cement or put up walls. Okay. Did so, you interact with him a lot? Uh, yeah, moderate amount. Over, I mean, he worked for my dad for. Almost two or three years, something mm-hmm. like that. As I've grown, I've noticed that a lot of the adults that I was friends with as a child were fucking weirdos. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and as an adult, I don't just befriend random children um, for that reason, because that's what weirdos you don't do. Be the weirdo. Yeah, and um, I think Dan may have been a weirdo, but you know he was cool. I, and I, I, I was sad when he passed. Did you know how he died? Yeah trying to save somebody who's drowning and dove off a bridge and uh, yep. ended up drowning himself. I don't know if the, the person, I think the person he was trying to save survived though. That is not my understanding, but. Well, let's pretend it yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> For the memories. Uh, did you hear he died also? Yeah. They both died. I think so. Son of a bitch. That's way worse of a story. <laughs> Sorry, I think, yeah, yeah. I will, a little morbid, but I, I think the person who was drowning dragged him under because uh, he was panicking. That's so sad. One time I found uh, a bag of kittens in a dumpster and they looked identical to a group of kittens that Dan had been raised. Live or dead? Live. Okay. In a, in a garbage bag. Soon to be dead. Um, that was, okay. I think, the intention. Um, treated as trash regardless. Mm. And um, I was like, peaceful Dan my ass. This is not so peaceful. So these were his kittens. Yeah, dude. He threw his kittens in the dumpster. And it was so just contrary to everything that he stood for. But like he was an alcoholic, drug addict. Um, These people make mistakes. That it really, it fucked with my my view of of who Peaceful Dan was. And then when I heard that he did that, I was like, okay, he's redeemed. He saved a man's life and lost his own. What are a few kittens? But um, Wait, did the kittens live? Yeah, they lived. Well, I mean, for a little bit. I don't know. They got eaten by raccoons. I didn't know raccoons ate kittens. Yeah, they do. They love them. They love them. Except the paws. They don't like the paws. They leave them in a little pile That's... for you. 
Talk about gruesome. Well, at least they're clean, I guess. They that, pile them up. Yeah. Uh, it, like fucking chicken wing bones. Yeah. It's <laughs> horrifying as a child. But, uh, yeah. Peaceful Dan. Interesting guy. <laughs> Do you have any other crazy characters that, that were in your life as a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark the Shark. I don't know him. know him. Yeah. What'd he do? Uh, he lived over here in Astoria, I think. But, uh, you know, another alcoholic, drug addict. These are kind of the people. Is he still alive? Fired. No, I believe he... My understanding is that he was trying to collect insurance money and, and stood in front of a bus, and that didn't go too well. Bus, that's a bold choice. Yeah. I think I'd go with a Geo Metro. Uber is probably the insurance is whatever the car owner is, right? Yeah, probably I'd go with Uber. like a, a, a one of those self-driving Google cars. Oh, there you go. Waymo? Waymo car, <laughs> yeah, or Waymo. Or Waymo. Is it Waymo? It is Waymo. I think it's Waymo. Are those, how is that company doing? Are they still putting out prototypes? They, were, they had them on the road, right? I just read an article recently that self-driving in general is like, Harder than all the companies thought it was going to be, and it's going to be like another decade. And, yeah, uh, Ford, I think, just pulled out. They pulled the plug on all of their self-driving stuff. It doesn't seem necessary. Yeah. Like, I mean, eventually, I'm surprised with how far along but... the like drive assist stuff Tesla has is. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's pretty close, but I guess full self-driving, you need to not kill people. So yeah, it's ideal. But then again, full self-driving, like human driving themselves. They don't get away with not killing people. Right. They kill people all the time. It's like quite common. Yeah. So, it does seem like the bar is higher for, for self-driving cars. Well, yeah, because we don't want the robots killing people. Yeah. They're not Who's people. Who's going to pay? <laughs> they don't have the right to you kill anybody. You can't imprison a, a yeah. robot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got to find the person responsible and it's a corporation, which is also not a person. Mm. Hard so, to jail. Yeah. Hard to jail. They pay a fine, yeah. get a slap on their imaginary wrist. I've heard corporations are people. They are legally people. They're a legal entity, which is fucking Somehow, dumb. I don't, I don't know how you put them in jail. Though. Yeah, you can't. But also, there's no human. Like, financially, the corporation is the one responsible. It's the entity mm. in charge. So that's how rich people do end up not going to jail right. or having to pay taxes or anything. That they, they're. Uh, I don't want to sound like I know what I'm talking about because I clearly don't. But they involve they have trusts and corporations and shell companies, and they just distribute every all the risk across areas where it's not actually risky. Yeah. And then they make sure that their assets are not registered to them in case they ever get in trouble. They can't be taken away. It's pretty smart. It's pretty smart. So uh, now that you've got money, are you doing something? Are, do you have somebody taking care of your money? Are you investing? Are you taking like Are you looking to the future? Are you? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm risk averse, <laughs> so are like you index saver? funds? Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, four hundred one k. That's that stuff is great. Yeah, it's not yeah. exciting. It's boring. <laughs> yeah, it is boring, but but you know, boring is safe. So. Well, you know what exciting sounds like to me? FTX collapsing. Uh-huh. Have you been following that story? Uh, barely. My wife told me about it. <laughs> billions. Yeah. Billions of dollars in various coins and USD just gone. Yeah. Disappeared. Lost forever. And I don't think anyone's going to go to jail or anything. Sam Bankman-Fried is uh, the guy who's – he was like the how, golden How big child. of a player were they in, in crypto? Big. Really big. Well, like – so Coinbase must be the, the largest. Right? I think FTX – probably was competitive with coinbase okay. that could, big. Okay. they wow. had nfts before coinbase and they traded in usd so and they had their own token so i'd say they're bigger than coinbase oh wow i don't know okay, about it in terms of uh 
market cap. Now, why did they collapse? Just because the price of crypto died and nobody's buying it, or no? They did it. I mean, it was. It's a long story. It goes it goes a little bit further back, but basically, they did the they made the classic mistake that a lot of large institutions have made over millennia, which is print a bunch of money out of thin air, inflate its value, and then take loans against that value for real money. And then when it you know when everything goes belly up, they become insolvent because they can't pay out they can't pay those loans because the money that they the assets that they were using as collateral aren't real. That's what they did. They they made a bunch of FTT token. FTT token was their yeah, I think it was FTT. I don't I don't know cuz I didn't have any, but they made a whole bunch of these tokens and then transferred some value to Alameda Research, which was their other company. This it's all just this one guy. And um, he convinced like 20 of the world's top investors to invest in FTX. And uh, basically with clever accounting and moving money around between Alameda and FTX, he was able to get loans and um, not only get loans, but also give loans using money that people had deposited in FTX, real money, and um, ended up losing everyone's money, basically. And so now he's like $100 billion in the hole. He declared bankruptcy two days ago. So he's not cashing out, at least. No, no, he's done. He might, he might end up going to prison. I don't know, but what I like, what I do know is that last night there was a hack too. So some company that they had working on the development of their uh, their whole system put a back end in, and like a hundred billion dollars went missing last night, uh, unexpected, and it didn't trigger off any alarms or anything. It just all of a sudden it just there was just a major major transfer, several major transfers. So I don't know. It's I mean crypto is still very new, so I don't. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's in yeah. it's in a, a low point right lack now. Lack of regulation around it too, but that's also what people <laughs> that's what people like, like. People about crypto. But yeah, until this kind of stuff happens, this yeah. is exactly why the SEC exists. Yeah. is for things like this. And so a year ago, I would have been like, yeah, keep the regulation out of it. I like the Wild West way it is now, and I was just like, I'll just be careful. But once the, it gains so much traction and it becomes so big, like FTX was like too big to fail by the definition that we would have used in 2008 with the Citibank yep. and all those. Um, it, he was so big that it is going to cause major ripples in the economy by his collapse. So, But there's no fail-safe. There's no backup. There's no support of any kind when it comes to like right. that collapse. So it's just like we're just well, going like, to eat like it. Banks have, what is it, the FDIC? Yeah, yeah exactly. Federal Deposit Insurance mm-hmm. something. Yeah, and that came out of 1930s right yeah after the 29 collapse yeah and that's exact same thing happened the there was a run on the banks everyone wanted their money at the same time and they're like "Ooh, uh we don't have it yep. and then so yeah ftx is is no more yeah so which if, makes more people want their money out of the banks and, yeah exactly <laughs> now they're they they closed they stopped doing withdrawals at uh several days ago but now the like the website they warned people not even to go on the website because it's going to put malware on your computer Oh, okay. That's bad. It's bad. Yeah. That's what happens when you use fake money like to 
inflate an economy. The same shit is going on with the dollar mm-hmm. right now. It's like that's why I just paid 150 bucks for like a one basket of groceries. It's like it's insane how much prices have just skyrocketed. It must be really bad up north. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And yep. Do you guys buy groceries in like the Amazon area where everything's expensive? Yeah, we're in Seattle. Um, we're in West Seattle. Uh, it's the west part of Seattle. <laughs> All the stuff built on the uh, fill down there by the water. No, it's a, it's like the oldest part of Seattle actually. Oh, okay. Um, it's the hill just uh, west of the port. So the port is kind of low, low ground yeah, on the, the Duwamish. Uh, and then, you know, downtown is other side sort of built on a hill. Um, but so like West Seattle is kind of its own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a very large bridge to get to it, which uh, you may have seen, but it, I know it's the one been you're disabled for <laughs> two years and it just recently got reopened. Oh, so what, what's that bridge called? Uh, West Seattle Bridge. Okay. Yeah. Good name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very expensive to repair, I think. Uh, but they had it entirely shut down, and it was the busiest bridge in Seattle. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, traffic through Seattle, I-5, terrible. Yep. Just terrible. Yeah. The express lanes are pretty nice, though. I was I driving mm-hmm. back and forth to Bellingham when I was in college. I used to love hitting it. I would try to time it to get the express lanes. It'll save you like two hours. I never know when they're open. I don't I, either. It's always just I don't long. drive north enough for, to care. <laughs> but yeah. It seems like they're never open when I'm trying to go north. Yeah. I would like to drive in them with nobody else on the road. Hmm. Just go as just fast as, fast as I possibly you know. could. Yeah. I like going fast. Do you have, What do you do for fun? Uh, I play a lot of board games. Uh, What's your favorite? Agricola. Uh, I don't know that game. It's going to sound boring, but <laughs> it's a game about subsistence farming in the 1700s. <laughs> that doesn't sound that boring. Okay. Uh, so you like get to build your own farm. You have like a board that's your farm and you get to like collect cows and pigs and plant grain and you're trying to keep your family alive and maybe build a, a stone house. That's like, so you're like playing Farmville yeah, yeah, real, on, on a board, board game Farmville. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds uh, fun. Actually. <clears throat> I like those kind of simulation games. They're, they're fun. Yeah. We, we play a lot of games. Like I mentioned earlier for our honeymoon, we went to a big board game convention in India. Yeah, that's right. So, that's right. Uh, yeah, we, we have like a whole room of our house that's board games. We probably have I don't know, three, three or four hundred board games. Wow. And you play them? Yeah. Yeah, pretty regularly. Wow. That's awesome. We brought some down to play for, we're on vacation for the weekend. We came down on Thursday, but we brought some down to play, but then we got caught up in doing touristy stuff. So. I just threw away a stack of board games. Oh, yeah? Yesterday. So you don't? Fuck board games, Matt. <laughs> No, I, I like board games actually, but it was because they sat in my garage too long. And they get moldy. They got you know moisture ruins mm-hmm. the boxes, the corners, pieces are flying out. Yep. Just like no, I don't want it. I don't want this headache. I want, I want downsize. I want to get rid of things I don't want to think about anymore. I just want to throw them away. So we threw away a couch today. Just throwing, just yeah. purging the garage. We haven't been able to park in there for years. I feel like that's most people. Most people don't use their garage for their car. Yeah. Especially around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, let me check my questions real quick. I am curious about your opinion on a few more esoteric topics, but I want to get through any real stuff first, right. just because that can end up going a long time. Uh, we've done fairly well, actually. 
I was going to ask why uh, you and your wife decided to get married, but clearly it's because you both love board games. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> uh, we've we've been together since 2007. So wow, right after high school, 15 years. Yeah. Nice. Did you meet at UW? Yep. Yep. Uh, freshman quarter at UW. Wow. We lived right in the, the same beginning. dorm. And what did she study? Uh, public health. What does she do now? Uh, public health. <laughs> nice. Who, uh, who does she work for? She works for King County. So oh, cool. she is, well, let me get this right, a on-site septic system inspector. Oh, cool. So she goes and reviews plans for septic systems, um, helps plan them out. She also does wells, and I think they're responsible for pools sometimes. Um she also, during COVID, she helped with the food response. So, like, oh, they cool. had to train all the restaurants of how to keep things sanitary. And so she went around and helped them do that. Nice. But primarily, she's looking at septics and wells. Right on. Have you seen the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? Yeah, I love that movie. The movie's great. Okay, let's talk about that movie. Okay. That movie, not only did I find it to be very fascinating, but it, like, perfectly explains the way that I see quantum reality. I think that's the way that the universe really works. You want to recap that movie in a, in a nutshell? Do you remember it well? Uh, I have seen it once, but I can try. Uh... It's like the, the multi, it talks it's about a multiverse the multiverse thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the big bad guy has seen too much of the multiverse and it's turned them which is such a, a beautiful way to write yeah. a to write a the, villain. Uh, nihilistic, I think. Yes, it's, it's basically the whole movie is nihilism versus existentialism, as how I would characterize it, and nihilism being like nothing matters, do whatever you want, which is really easy to fall into. So you relate to the villain, yeah. And existentialism being nothing matters, so do whatever you want, but in a positive way. <laughs> yeah, everything matters. like everything matters. I guess is probably yeah. a better way to put it. I thought I thought that was a beautiful film, mostly because it puts a practical, it puts practical training wheels on quantum mechanics, like the the way that reality is actually formulated in real time. How like, imagine if we did You're have some about kind of many worlds. Just yeah, yeah, yes. And I guess quantum mechanics is a, is a little bit of a jump, but um, what I think quantum mechanics has to do with our perception of reality, just the fact that there is infinite potential. But you're you're still limited. It's not like you can just operate in a way that you can make enormous jumps to a to a place in the in the world of potential that is not actually close to your world. Right. And for clarity, in the movie, they can only gain knowledge from universes that are somewhat close to their own. Exactly. Yeah. And it's and they can and the the way that they can jump to between these universes is to uh, do something novel, something completely unique, and usually very weird. Which is exactly what, like, I, I love that part so much because I sometimes feel like, uh, it's hard to explain. Natalie Portman talked about it in Garden State. But um, this feeling where it's like everything has been done, every combination of molecules feels like it's been experienced already. And there is just this yearning for something new. And you can like try to make a weird sound or put your body in a weird position or just try try to do a thing or ex have an experience that has never been had by another point of consciousness ever and 
I think that we're probably doing those all the time without realizing it because there are so many variables that specific combinations of molecular structures are all pretty new. Uh, it's like every time you shuffle a deck of cards, that the chances that the combination that the order of cards that you have just created may have never been created before in the history of humanity. There's a very good chance of that actually because of like 52 factorial would mm. be whatever that probability is would be huge. So I think it works the same with reality. And I, I like the idea that to she has to do like, I don't even remember what any of the crazy things were, but some crazy thing every time she wants to switch timelines, like, I don't know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time even thinking of anything right now off the top of my head, but like the, you know, poke herself in the eye or you know, eat a pile of dog shit, <laughs> just something yeah, that, stuff like that. that there's no reason to do so that it is enough to take that timeline that you're on and just drastically alter it because whatever kind of predictive mechanism exists would be radically altered by that event, if, if that makes sense. But I know I thought that was really cool. Do you believe in the many worlds hypothesis? Um, it is believe attractive in, to me. Yeah, believe in is the wrong <laughs> uh, term. Do you can you see it working? Yes. What is your your go to existential structure? What do you mean by that? How do you see this all fitting together? What is this that we're in? Because I do see it as a multiverse with with condensed potentials like our three-dimensional reality is just lower vibrating and and it's vibrating at a low enough density for it to become matter everything else is still in existence in potential but it's it's not on a on a frequency that is you know condensed into matter so we're not experiencing it but those things are still and then and every second of the day that we're making decisions you're bumped on timelines different timelines yeah i'm I am attracted to the many worlds theory, especially when I think about like things like time travel. I think that's mostly what gets me there is me when too. you're like, okay, so there's some paradox here. If you can go back in time and change something, who are you now, right? Like, how well, do they, you get altered? Yeah. Um, and the, the not that time travel is necessarily possible, but... It's theoretically possible. The thing that um, is most cogent to me out of that, like the most... Um, the easiest way to make sense of that would be, okay, you change something in the timeline and now you're on a different timeline. Like the, sure, the future you got the timeline changed, but you're not that future you anymore. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I agree. I think completely. But also the, all the different versions of you are all still you. Mm, right. But you don't get to experience them. That's like the, how she kills her clone. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, that's a different movie, isn't it? What movie was that? I, I don't I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, but this another one where she finds a time machine and it's in like a tanning bed and she goes Fuck, I gotta remember that. What was that? It was okay. It wasn't We're just gonna start talking about Final Destination or something. No, it was wasn't a tanning that. bed in one of those. It was a I don't remember. But basically this girl finds a time machine that only goes back twenty four hours and she meets a guy and she goes on a date with this guy and I think it was Pete Davidson was the guy. And um, oh, I haven't watched that. I it's on my to watch list. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was pretty good. And but she just keeps reliving. Oh yeah, Kaylee Cuoco was the the girl from Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. Was the girl? It's coming back to me now. Definitely not the same movie. Yeah, I know the movie you're talking about. I 
Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. But so she has to kill herself every day, not like commit suicide, but kill the, the older version of her <laughs> from the day before. And so every day she just starts her day by driving. And when the version of her from the previous day is at the coffee stand, she walks across the street and she runs her over in the crosswalk, mm. grabs her body, puts it in the trunk every single day. <laughs> like that's just, and then at the end of the day, she goes back to the tanning bed and right. does the thing again. And it's because she wants to keep reliving this first day with this guy over and over again. She's most likely mentally ill, but mm. um, it's a good movie. And it, but it does create that, that issue like, okay, so if we're on multiple timelines here and we're jumping back and forth, there's going to be some extra people around, uh, extra use and how does that like how would we deal with that there'd be some some uncomfortable conversations for sure like do you think you could kill a version of yourself a clone like let's say that they made a the amazon labs made like 25 matt shannon clones just so they could get your work done quicker um but things have gone taking a turn and they're they're starting to they heard him talking and they're making plots against the real matt shannon and it's because of some legal it's life or death probably yeah well because of some legal loopholes the scientists who made them aren't going to be able to kill them and you have to do it yourself since it's technically made out of your tissue. It won't be murder and you're the right, only one me. who can do it. Okay. You got to do it, man. 25 Matt Shannons, could you do it? Could you get the job done? That's a lot of a lot of killing. Yeah, it is. I would probably try and avoid <laughs> doing that. Um, they're going to get you then. Well, I mean, if they're coming at me, yeah. yeah. You got no choice. You got I no gotta choice. Do it. Yeah. One of those clones. I think if, if it wasn't a life or death situation, I don't, I don't think I would kill it even a clone of myself even if it was inconvenient to have it in your life it's like uh we're going to like the far extreme of identity theft <laughs> i don't it think just that's is theft. Me. it just is you yeah yeah that's the thing i would actually love to have one or two of me as around but beyond that i'd be a little much i don't think i would want to live with another me really how come i, I think i would irritate the heck out of myself <laughs> what do you think are the things that you do that would irritate you the most Oh, I am not good about doing dishes when I'm sure my wife would attest to this, but like I just put them in the sink and I'm, and they magically oh, get I'm done. I'm sure it would be yeah, sometimes. My laundry works the same way. <laughs> Mine does not anymore. There was a, a reckoning that happened when we moved to our current house. Yeah. Did she have to have a talk with you? Oh, yeah. It was like, I'm not doing your laundry She's anymore. not your mother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that. There was a time. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. When my, I was in college, uh, she used to help me with my laundry, right? And uh, I would just, I hated doing laundry, so I would leave it till the last minute. And I was living in this apartment building at the time, and they had washer-dryer units in the back. And one of the dryers was out of order. So she she's like, I'm going to bed. I'm, you do your laundry yourself. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. Uh, and it, I think I started it at midnight or something. And she's like, I'm not staying up till three to help you with your laundry. <laughs> Very reasonable looking back, but, uh, I was upset about it. And so the, the dryer, they had two dryers, but, and two washers. And so, you know, I washed my clothes. I was fine. Uh, and then one of the dryers was out of order and I'm like, I'll just throw them all in one, one dryer. And the dryer caught on fire. Oh shit. <laughs> yep. Burned up like, I don't know. 40% of my clothes at the oh, time. Oh, it burned your clothes? Yeah. Did it burn the building? Uh, one of the neighbors noticed it was on fire and like pulled all the clothes out, threw them in the sink, doused them so they're wet again <laughs> and also burnt. Yeah. Uh, and probably so, smelling yeah. pretty bad. Fortunately, they didn't charge me for the dryer. I think it probably would have been reasonable for them to. Because you overloaded it? I overloaded it for sure, yeah. Yeah, I did that at the laundromat one time. 
put too many wet blankets in there. They don't. They, they don't. They like did not that. want to pay for my clothes. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, they shouldn't be catching on fire." Yeah, this is a, de- a defective unit. Yeah, give me some money. Oh yeah, I kind of want to ge- go on the simulation thing a little bit more. So there has been more and more talk all the time about the fact that, not the fact, but the possibility that we are already living in a simulation now, and the reasoning for that, the justification from that, uh, is that. We're already creating these simulated worlds. You look at video games, uh, look at something like uh, Forza, the newest Forza game. I cannot tell the difference between that and actual video footage of a car. It looks identical to reality to me. And obviously somebody who's in the industry or who's playing or knows, like they will be able to see, the, the trained eye can still see. But at a certain point, they won't be able to either. It will be indistinguishable from reality. Statistically, if you can make an infinite number of these simulated worlds, it's it's similar to the, the, the theory that we are going to, there has to be intelligent life in the universe yeah. because it's an infinite universe and probabilistically there would be intelligent life at some point. If it happened once. Yeah, yeah then it, it has happened an infinite amount of times. Infinity is kind of slippery like that. Yeah. But in the simulation theory, it makes sense. So if there's going to be at some point logically an infinite number of these simulated realities indistinguishable from base reality, which is kind of a flimsy subject in the first place since somebody just won the Nobel Prize for proving that it doesn't fucking exist. But uh, yeah, the logic would say that eventually that's going to happen and we could be in it now, especially because we don't exactly know how old we are. And there's a very good chance that we could have had several civilizations that reached a pinnacle and then were destroyed just like people are really starting to think happened right before we kind of popped on the scene with like the uh what is it the younger dryas impact theory the the theory that there was an advanced civilization on this planet just a lot further back than we thought just very recently like archaeological timelines are starting to fall apart just because of different stuff we found like gobekli tepe the archaeological site that has like these giant monolithic structures that were built a thousand years before anyone knew how to build that shit. Like that kind of stuff. The pyramids, the pyramids, just yep. like the Sphinx, the fact that it's covered with rain erosion and it hasn't rained there for 10,000 years longer, like further back than people thought people were there. Um, basically, we don't know shit about the past. And there's, there's just as good of a chance uh, that we could be in a simulation now, like the Matrix style, wake up in a pink pod full of goo. What do you think about all that? So this is very uh, recent <laughs> for me, but uh, I think it doesn't matter. <laughs> I finally come around to that. Like, uh, I did not like that argument for a lot of philosophical topics. I, I think it comes up a lot in, in philosophy where you're like, uh, especially around epistemology, so the study of what we can know like plato's cave uh-huh oh. uh but so back to simulation argument would you behave differently if you if you knew no yeah so i mean people would still keep trying to find out things about the simulation instead of the real world right science would continue yeah um if you can't affect your non-simulation self, or maybe you don't even have a non-simulation self you're entirely a simulation right mm-hmm. um so yeah, how would we ever know? Yeah. I would think that there... I mean, you still exist somehow. You would just exist as a simulation. 
Yeah, I, it's it's a see. That's actually exactly what I think. I've thought that from the beginning. I didn't understand what the debate even was because, pretty much like you said, we are already in a simulated reality because of the way our physical biology creates creates reality out of sensory input. Like there's a computer in there who's taking data and stitching it together into a cohesive yeah. narrative that we see as our life. And that's a simulated reality. It's very easy to tell, right? You just uh, look at the ways you can interact with the world. Right? You can't see certain types of radiation. You can't yeah. see infrared. Exactly. But it's very much there. Yeah. And it happens. We can feel infrared, but ultraviolet, we can't. You can't see a bunch of stuff that is actually there. Yeah. And you see stuff that isn't actually there. Mm -hmm. That your brain just constructs it because it's convenient. Right. Like the center of your visual field. Like yep. there's a dead spot there. That there's no visual information coming in where your optic nerve runs through the very center but you see the stuff that's there it's like that that uh there's a filter on tiktok that will it makes you invisible because it like you but you have to show it what's behind you first like if you move your head and then move it back in the frame it will show you what's behind you and make you invisible but if you just start the, the filter it will not know what to put behind you like it doesn't can't see that yet but yeah can't actually see through you mm -hmm. exactly but yeah, I don't know. I think I think that it is all a simulation, but I don't know that it was created and I don't think it's electrical. I mean, other mm -hmm. than the fact that our brains are electrical. I mean, it could be, but I, we wouldn't know. It's indistinguishable. If, if you get to the point where everything's simulated, there's that no way for us to know. Very quickly becomes no different than creationism to me. Mm -hmm. Like it's just some big sky daddy sure. who made everything. And it's, it, it becomes very easy to oversimplify things that are very, very complicated when you think about things like that. I don't know. What keeps you up at night? Uh, <laughs> climate change. I mean, Ooh, good one. That's a good one for as far as global concerns. Um, my parents health <laughs> yeah yeah these are things these, these are relatable topics yeah. i think we're all dealing with those worries and if we're not probably not thinking about much yeah. important i mean stuff. it's been become for climate change that is has become very visible in the last few years just like we've we have four forest fires all the time now every yeah. summer yeah i know and this the the rainfall patterns are weird too. Yep. Like we get droughts and floods. And the snow's already melted by uh, like May. All the snow's gone. Yeah, I I see it because of the plant cycles. Like I I work with plants, so I'm I'm paying a lot of attention to when they're sprouting, when they're blooming, when they're seeding, mm -hmm. all this stuff. Like my job depends on it, so I notice. And there has been some irregularities over the past ten years. Stuff that I wouldn't expect too. Like. I don't know, like a double spring has happened two different times that I can remember where spring started in like January, where it got really unseasoned, like out of season warm in January and stuff starts blooming. Daffodils are coming up, stuff starts blooming. And then it just freezes the entire month of February and everything just shuts off and then just like restarts again a month later. That's fucking weird. That doesn't happen every year. It, it's very strange, but things like that. And I think it will just continue to this year, be more dramatic. So October is like typically my favorite month of the year. I love the f leaves changing. We had 90 degree or 87. We had an 87 degree day in October. Yeah. And then it, from that, it went to like two weeks later, it was like 40. Yeah, it's crazy. I think it was like around. We just like skipped fall. <laughs> really? I know. I was thinking about that this morning because I was trying to get the temperature out here comfortable and um 
it was hot enough in here to fry my computer a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like, no matter what I did, we had fans going trying to suck the heat out of here. It was just like, couldn't do it because the, the roof was so hot. The, it's just heat from every direction. And now it's just like hard to keep it warm in here. I can feel the cold through the plywood floor. It's like this really, really rapid switch. Uh, in 20, I think it was 2020. Maybe it was 2021. No, I think it was 2020. Uh, we had a really bad smoke season in Seattle. And it was orange outside. At the same time, we had a heat wave. Yeah. It was like 100, 104. And so you couldn't open the doors because of the smoke. And then so the temperature inside our house was 100 plus. Yeah, I remember that. That killed some people. Yeah. Like several people in the Seattle area. Yeah, that's dangerous. The the overheating is is no joke. Yeah, I remember walking outside because we walk our dog, and it was just, like, very orange. You couldn't see to the end of the block. It was like it was a really foggy day, but it was all smoke. Yeah, it is. It's strange. It was like that a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that year, though. Yeah. 2020 was, was – it was pink-orange skies for, like, two weeks straight mm-hmm. down here in the, where it's wet and cold, like, yeah. most of the time. So, yeah, like, we live right on the Columbia, so you could just see smoke just billowing down the river. It's kind of sad because those are people's homes, people's. Yep. Yeah. Living in the woods is risky. It didn't used to be it, like you got to really think about fire now if you're in that area at all. Like you have to have a escape plan ready, like know what you're doing. And you probably have to cut back the trees from your house too, right? Yeah, I imagine so. We live in a good spot right here. We're not, I don't think we're at that much at risk of fire, but. Still scary. You got water near you too. Worst yeah. case scenario. That's something Jumping I love about river. Pacific Northwest is that we'll be one of the last places with good water, which is kind of scary also. Yep. Because that's where people are <laughs> going to be. Yeah, coming. there's going to be a lot of migration yeah. to this area. That'll probably be like one of the main post-apocalyptic battles, be the water wars. Yeah, I think that stuff's already started. It's just not, yeah. it's just not violent yet. yet. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, uh, I think Arizona got its water from the Colorado River shut by 75% or something. It was a lot. Yeah. Lake Mead is almost empty. Uh-huh. And that's like... A, yeah, they're finding all the, the millions dead bodies in it. Now. Yeah, a bunch of <laughs> barrels full of bodies. The mob just like their they're like, favorite this, this lake's spot. never going to go dry. Yeah. We just dump bodies in it. That's so funny. It's, uh, people are all shocked too. It's like you drain any lake in a major city, there's going to be some barrels with some bodies right. in it. Well, this is the lake next to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, this is probably one of the worst. I imagine there's some places in Chicago and New York mm-hmm. that have got some bodies too, but probably everywhere. <laughs> the world is fucked up. Yeah. It's like, this is a scary place. Lots of terrible things going on all the time. But, you know, <laughs> that's what we signed up for, I guess. You guys think you're going to have kids? No, I don't think so. Never? No. I, we had some health stuff come up a couple of years ago that we were already leaning towards now. And, and Yeah. It's a scary world to try to bring them into anyway. You guys have any pets? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We you have, have a, a dog. We have a dog. I met your dog. Satchel. Uh, he's a rescue. I don't know. If he's, is he still a rescue? He's not a rescue anymore, I guess. He's got a home now. Well, I think it's, <laughs> you rescued him, right? Yeah. He, he was a rescue. Yeah. Where was he living before? Uh, San Bernardino. Oh. Yeah. He was a street dog. Street dog. Um, he We saw one picture of him from then, and he had, like, all of his ribs showing. He was, oh, he was only in, like, a 19-pound dog, and he was seven pounds lighter. So. Jeez. That's a light dog. Yeah. 
and you got him all fattened up. Yeah, he's fat. He's, he still <laughs> yeah, looks he's pretty trim. He's pretty lean. He will refuse food when he's just not hungry. It's the only dog I've ever seen do that. How's his breath? Uh, it smells bad. I've heard <laughs> dachshunds have. Kyla washes my wife washes or brushes his teeth like multiple times a week though. So. Wow. That's a commitment. If he's just brash, it's good. Yeah, fresh, minty breath. You get a couple days and it smells like You guys use those greenies, those little toothbrush chews? No, I've heard they can choke on them. Oh. We tried them because one of my friends had some extras that he didn't want, and he just chews them until they, like, tear up his gums, and there's blood all over him. That's the exact same experience I had with Daisy. Uh, I got her some of those. A lot of those dentist sticks and all that stuff would make her bleed. Yeah. But I bleed when I floss, so, you should floss more. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I got diagnosed with periodontal disease, gum disease, right? Yeah. So I'm, I have to floss, floss them a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, somehow I've been very lucky. I've never been a huge flosser. I floss like once a month, but I brush two or three times a day. Oh, okay. That's uh, probably makes up for some of it. It must. I don't get a lot of cavities, but it doesn't matter. I broke all my teeth with uh, clenching my jaw anyway. A lot of them. F- fucking fell apart i went through i have or had a ton ton of cavities i had bad brushing habits from growing up without running water (laughs) that'll do it uh and yeah just never developed good brushing habits and i carried it on into college and you know that yeah uh, at some point i just had like a massive toothache my tooth i bit into something and just like part of my tooth came off yeah and i'm like i'm in a lot of pain i need to go I tried to tough it out. I think I tried to get one of the like filling things from the store where you can make Uh your own filling. That did not do anything. No. I had to get a root canal. Yeah. And then when I was there, they're like, you need some other work. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to root canal a few of these while we're back here. Mm -hmm. I ended up going to, uh, so I was at UW at the time and I went to their dental school because that's all I could afford. It was cheaper at the dental school. Mm -hmm. And uh, they basically only take you if it's an emergency or like the student chooses to be like you're their patient for yeah. all their exams and stuff. Um, so I went to their emergency room and I went a couple times. Yeah. And they're like, why don't you just go work with one of the students was like, you want to work with me? Oh, you were <laughs> so, the regular. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And he's my dentist now, actually. Oh, cool. Um, start, but the root canal, the you have to get, it's not the same. It's not like a normal dentist that'll do a root canal. There. It's like yeah. oral surgery. So, uh, that was probably my worst dental experience. They dammed my tooth. Um, but the dam leaked when they were using, uh, like they use acid to etch the canal. Uh, and it, the acid leaked down my throat with this big dental dam on my mouth. Uh, uh so what did that do? I had a very sore throat for a couple of weeks. It was Ow. very painful. Did it? And was this at the school or was this? Yeah, a... this was at the school. Okay. So you couldn't really do shit about that, huh? No. It's like, well, this is what you signed up for, buddy. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's not a real dentist. It, what did you expect? Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if you've ever gone to like a dental school, but it takes I have quite actually. a bit longer yeah. than a normal dentist because they have to have like people come and check on their work. Yeah. Because this is a test for them. Um, my, the dentist I went to in Olympia just last year had like trainees or something in there and like two different people came in and did my, did my, my cast for my teeth and. They did a terrible job. Got that. It was like this pink. I don't. It, I don't know if it's like acrylic or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, yeah. the material got in my mustache and beard, <laughs> and um, it was in there for like the rest of the day. I had to cut the shit out of my. Oh, beard. it dried in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, why were they hurt. casting your teeth? Orthodontics. Or? Yeah, oh, okay. I got orthodontics. Um, yeah, I had braces for two years, starting when the pandemic started, mm-hmm. and then 
like right around the time masks were over, I got my braces off. I had them in high school and then I was not diligent about wearing my lower, my upper teeth are fine, but my lower teeth kind of went back to a messed up position. Yeah. I have a permanent um, retainer in the bottom that I, I, I have, I forgot completely that I had a retainer for the top. Like it's been a year now since I've even thought about it. Uh, honestly, you just reminded me and it's probably somewhere lost, but I'm supposed to wear it every day, all day. And um, I just can't. Yeah, they like attach a bar to your bottom. Right? Yeah, they yeah. weld that bitch right in because I wouldn't have that one either if if they didn't. But that's also why I don't want to floss down there because there's a bar across my teeth. Oh yeah, teeth. that's probably hard to. You, had to, you have to like thread, thread it, it in or and then pull it through every single thing. It's just yeah. like, well, that's a whole thing. They got the like picks now. You can probably just pick it. Yeah, I just use prayer. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to work well. Yeah. Right before you go to the dentist. Just oh, no every, cavities, every night. Please. If you're going to keep cavities <laughs> out, man, you got to be praying religiously, yeah. like daily. I pray for other stuff too. I'm already in the prayer, so it's cool. You just throw it in. Yeah, just throw it in. Also, keep those cavities <laughs> away. But yeah, do you pray? Um, occasionally in moments of distress. I've kind of uh, become more and more agnostic. I don't even mean in terms of like religious. I. I genuinely believe that prayer is uh, one of the ways that you can directly affect in like manifestation um, with just using the our human abilities of creating future futures out of uh, intention, setting intention, and then being grateful. The gratitude is a, a an essential component of a successful prayer. I think a prayer is almost like a magic spell in a way that it like goes out into the universe and actually affects things i i really do believe that i think like everything has a, a certain resonant frequency including our thoughts and they're powerful and I, I don't even think you need to be religious to do it as long as you can appreciate you have to have gratitude so i think that if you can uh, if you can find gratitude in existence without directing at towards god or uh, some kind of a central being i like a distributed god i like my my i'd like a decentralized god like a Buddhist concept of More, God in yeah. everything. Yes, yes. Um, because I don't. Humans are way too unpredictable, untrustworthy, evil for me to think of of uh, a God with an anthropomorphic lens. I don't. No big old guy in a beard. No, that's ropes. Santa. <laughs> that's not God. But I do think God exists. I think God is an intelligence. I don't think God is a figure, a person. I think. God is just one of many names. But I do think that that intelligence is directly connected to us and accessible to everybody. And um, getting over your thoughts of feeling silly, I think about prayer, I think that's probably a major obstacle to a lot of people. I don't think I'd be able to do it unless I was brought up in it. I got brought up just heavily immersed in it. So much that I hated it. I was annoyed as hell. Every time someone started praying, I was like, oh my God. I don't have 40 minutes to kill here. But, uh, and even now I still think that honestly, <laughs> I don't want to sit here and listen to other people pray all that often. But when I do it myself in, in an intentional way, like I prayed my daughter into existence and um, I like 100% did. I was sterile and I could not impregnate anybody and I kept trying. And then I did this Med it was a meditation, but I, it was a prayer, but I did this meditation that was an hour long, sit in the woods and focus on, it was like a very focused meditation where like 
specific and where you had to picture your future that you wanted and very woo woo like it's just reeks of bullshit if and if so if you're so it's it's just so easy to be a skeptic uh, and a cynic and those two feelings are a killer of magic like you you want to do anything that's not like completely standard you have to be open to possibilities you have to let the magic in you can't just be a a cynic looking for ways to ruin it and um it worked and my wife got pregnant like a month later it was crazy and um but what i did was i put myself in the place of of gratitude for this child that i wanted to exist and i just treated it as if she already did and i've and i tried to feel the feelings that i would feel if i was really in that place and what that version of myself looked and felt like and then i just became him in the meditation and then literally in my life like just by doing nothing uh, I, I became the person who i was envisioning in the meditation um it was really a bizarre life-changing experience um and i've never really thought about prayer the same since um but yeah it it is there's something there i'm not sure exactly what it is but there's there is something there especially when it's multiple people like um something about consciousness condensed into a into a shared intention is very powerful i think there's a, a lot of uh, research into the benefits of meditation right specifically oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, it's something that's very difficult for me yeah i just the sitting there I, my mind wanders immediately mm -hmm. the moment i sit down yeah me too yeah. i think meditation is is good for people like that because it, it allows you to recognize and accept that it's not that's not bad that actually is not an Im impediment to a meditation mm -hmm. that actually makes your meditation a lot better because it's less boring all that becomes is the the exercise is to recognize when your mind has wandered acknowledge it and notice what you like oh i was having a thought like oh there goes a feeling just taking over um and then you go back to whatever your object of focus is whether that's the breath or a mantra or whatever people do whatever they, they want but i like the breath so, something that's been helpful for me and i went through counseling recently last year and uh one of the things the the counselor was told me is like go for a walk and like be observant, quiet, the like worrying part of your mind and just look at what's around you. Notice what you're smelling, notice how your body feels, all of that stuff. I think that's fairly close to meditation. That's, I would call that a grounding meditation because yeah. what that's going to do is that's going to make you feel present in your body and in your environment. And you're going to, you're going to be in, in the world in real time. Whereas a lot of the time we're living in our minds and we're living in the future, trying to predict and we're living in the past, ruminating and you're not present. So it's those kind of grounding activities are very helpful, especially if you're a person who has a lot of anxiety, which working in the tech industry, do you experience a lot of anxiety? Uh, my, my stuff's more around family stuff. Uh, you know, worrying about my parents and mm -hmm. health stuff. You seem pretty even keeled. You've always seemed pretty even keeled. Do you, you ever struggle with mental health? Uh, not not really uh, not until my wife had it and i had a traumatic experience and she had some health issues uh a couple of years ago right before covid actually and then covid oh great <laughs> like it was october 2019 and then covid so uh out of that i had some struggles but for the most part and now i'm pretty steady 
personality. I kind of like a rock, I think, to my wife. That's so, good. That's good. Uh, but yeah, it was really hard for me then because, you know, I, I'm not used to not being able to control my emotions or overly worrying about stuff and stuff that's out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at one point I like had a panic attack and is that your first one? Yeah. Yeah. It was very weird. Scary. Huh? Did you think you're going to die? Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I was like very, very panicked. Um, it's weird how you know how to deal with it. Your body has the reaction first. Like <clears throat> I, before I had ever had a real panic attack myself, I, I, thought of it as more of a mental experience like you, you're freaking out on the inside it's very yeah, physical it was very physical yeah you're actually heart... mentally i was fine i'm like oh i'm okay but your heart was fluttering just, and yeah like, it was yeah. it was like no i am in the danger right now oh that's such a bad feeling were you in a safe place yeah i was at home oh that's good yeah that's good yeah you can have them in a bad place and cause a lot of problems yeah, yeah. but you know there are ways to get around it some people get them so bad though i feel for those people i've only had a couple in my whole life and they sucked yeah it wasn't too long for me i was able to talk myself down with it yeah but it was the first time i'd had it and it was like very scary at the moment so and there's also there's always that like wondering well like maybe this actually is a heart maybe i actually right, am maybe dying. it's a heart attack yeah yeah because that happens too people aren't always just having panic attacks yep but when you're young and healthy and you're you think you're having a heart attack it's usually Probably a panic attack. That was, then again, maybe not anymore. That was before people started randomly dying of heart attacks yeah. <laughs> all over the country, starting in 2020. The vaccine causes heart attacks. I'll say it. I'll say it. I haven't had one yet, so I'm a heart attack? triple vaxxed. <laughs> Me either. I'm doubled. Uh, I, uh, we're going to get the most recent booster. I'm waiting until we're go about to go on our trip. One. So I want to like not get sick right before we go on our trip and then can't yeah. go. So we're waiting for that. But. Yeah. The whole vaccine thing is such a bummer to even talk about, but yeah, cause I really, I genuinely don't know how to feel about it anymore because there's so much conflicting views and, uh, and good ones like there's we genuinely got COVID. I mean, oh, <laughs> it was triple vax and got covid so. yeah see that's the but, thing i mean i didn't get really sick so yeah i don't know that's a pretty fucking weak argument if you're pfizer like huh? yeah take this shot you'll probably still get it but you won't get as sick make a better drug pfizer mm -hmm. yeah we were like cross vaccinated too like we had did pfizer i think first and then whatever the other one is no j and j no, not JJ. I got that old, that OG yeah. shit, that the, brain the less shot. Less effective. <laughs> the poor people drug, yeah. the poor people vaccination. One and done. <laughs> um, I got that originally, and then I got Moderna. Yeah, also. Moderna. That's what we we got Pfizer and the Moderna. Yeah. But so we're GMOs now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been bred anyway. For the most part, I'm okay with it, but it all kind of depends on where it goes from here. If, uh, if it would you take like wings if they could like grow some wings for you? Uh, are they actually like can I fly with yeah, these yeah. wings? Functionally, I that might not be physically, possible, uh, it'd be so hard to get on a plane after that. You'd have to eat a lot, right? Because you need a lot of energy to, oh, yeah, and you'd have to grow be like enormous pecs. Wing. Your pecs would be like the size of right, let's, let's say tail or, or maybe like another arm. I'll take a jet pack that way I can take it off when I'm done. Well, that's just a jet pack, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I guess you don't really grow that. But 
Unless it was like a self-assembling thing made out of carbon nanotubes or something. Oh, then they like shed away. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Or um, like some kind of a, I don't know, magnetite filings that you put them under magnetism and they self-construct a jetpack on your back. Yeah. That'd be cool. But back to the dental stuff. I was always like, um, I'm excited for when they have uh, nanobots to, you know, fix my teeth. It's just like kind of delusional. No, I, I should probably take care of my teeth now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not also, wait for the nanobots. Are you still excited about nanobots? Uh, you know, it's like what we said at the beginning of this. Is it's both. Ultimate promise, yeah, yeah. ultimate fear. Yep. They could just eat the whole world or <laughs> yeah. they could fix a bunch of stuff. Everything. Yeah. Like they could fix everything, mm -hmm. at least in our bodies. Like they're very, I mean, designer, you can make designer proteins that just yep. go in there for specific reasons to like go get rid of certain genes or endless possibilities. But they could also turn us all into like the internet of people and make us all just like talk like you know what I'm talking about. Uh -huh. the, way, the way that cars um or like a fleet of cars can talk to its each other or, you know, computers or anything else. That will happen too. They will like both happen. Consciousness in the cloud. Kind of. Um or just like more data harvesting capability. I think that's gonna be I I don't I think money rules the world. So I think that the the Areas that technology will be able to profit from, the areas of technology that people can profit from the most will be the fastest to develop, in my opinion. So like with nanobots and nanotechnology and communication technology, it would seem to me like data. Data is the new gold rush. Like mm -hmm. everybody wants all that sweet, juicy data and because they can use it to make decisions and they can use it to basically build on a model of their consumer. And which is what they've done. But imagine if they had all your biometric data too. Then they could know when you're or like- Or what you were thinking. Like yeah. actually do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then they could be like, oh, well, he's, yeah. They'll know when you're hungry. They'll know when you're horny. They'll, and they'll know, know what you want when you're mad. Eat. Not just yeah. that you're hungry, but like, oh, this guy likes exactly. chicken strips. Exactly. I'm sure they could already figure out that you like chicken strips. Matt. Sure. <laughs> uh, but they're delicious. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff, though. What about Neuralink? I would be very nervous to. I, I don't want to be the first guy that does it. <laughs> I'm yeah. not in batch one. No, me. Give either. it to me when a lot of people have tested it. Yeah, I'll take. I'll take one. Yeah, eventually. I, eventually, I don't want to be in this batch because no. what are they, they're not going to be able to upgrade you probably. Probably are they putting them in people now? Uh, I thought they had started. I don't know. I know they're putting them in pigs. Uh. Got that pig playing pong or whatever. Pretty cool. Elon Musk is involved in so much shit. He's definitely an alien, if yeah. not the Antichrist. Like the the one, the kind of alien that guides humanity, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I I think so. But who knows if he's guiding us benevolently or not? Right, right. <laughs> he could, just, it, just it, playing with us. Maybe both. Yeah. Maybe both. But it does seem like he is uh, something else. Like he's another kind of creature. Just like when does the guy sleep? It doesn't make any sense to me. The, didn't he name his child something robotic also? Yeah. Like, uh -huh. he's got a bunch of kids. Well, a little, little weird. He's one of the only members of the elites who is talking about uh, pop population collapse, mm -hmm. which sounded so crazy at first until everyone started dying. Now I'm just like, oh, maybe Elon's right. We should have more kids. I think that's a very self-serving argument out of him. Like, it's, yeah. I need more workers for my things and, and consumers to, to buy my things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right. Why, why couldn't we have a stable population? 
because uh, I don't know, but there's been a major. There, there are problems economically for sure. Like yeah, like your stocks probably don't keep going up if you have less. Not less indefinitely, uh, like we expect them to. Yeah, which makes no sense. Yeah, but it does. I guess it does if you have a model that depends on growth. Like if the population continuously grows, the stocks could continue to grow. I think it's something we're gonna have to deal with. I mean. Japan's kind of already there. They have a declining population. House, houses aren't investments there. They're yeah. like a declining asset. India uh, surpassed China for the largest population. That would just Did they just, that just, just recently happened? Yeah. Oh. That's crazy. I like. Well, China's kind of, they had their one child policy. In the which has been changed. Hamstring the growth though. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure it's still culturally probably still pretty prevalent. Yeah. Uh, There's I'm, still people who were alive then. That, oh, yeah. That. We're under the one child policy. So. There's probably still people right now who are self-enforcing that policy mm -hmm. just because they think it's the right thing to do or whatever. Like yeah. you, when you grow up in a certain culture, it, you get programmed like just to think that like, oh, we just do like recycling. Um, when like when it became known that only 5% of the plastic that you recycle is actually recycled and turned into something else, nobody changed the way they recycle. Like we still all do the same shit. You go right. through all the extra steps to recycle. Well, know. I mean, that's really a, uh, it needs to be legislated that companies use recycled plastics, right? That's how you I think they need that. to get rid of single-use plastics, period. Agreed, yeah. Um, or shut the fuck up about it. Mm -hmm. Like, we know that all the plastic is still here. Like, it's not going anywhere. So we could, we like, that's a major problem. And we Or bioplastics also bioplastics are, are an are interesting great. area. I mean, they, yeah, they're great. They. They We've, work just as Seattle good. has banned all sing straws mm -hmm. so, or plastic straws. Um, but so they ruined drinks. Yeah, well, it's really annoying if you the paper ones. Fuck, the paper man. ones suck. The mouthfeel on a paper straw is awful, horrible. I won't. Even, However, some of the bioplastic straws, I don't even know the difference. I like them better. It's the same thing. It's like a smoother plastic. Yeah. It's not as uh, I don't know. It's got like a nice texture to it. I like mm -hmm. bioplastic. I think it's good stuff. Is it made out of cellulose? I think it's from corn. Oh. It's like corn husks, I think. Or that's probably some cellulose. of them are anyway. It's probably cellulose. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like plastic made out of plants. Mm -hmm. They, I used to buy rolling papers made out of cellulose. They were really cool. You could roll a joint that was see through. Yeah, it was neat. All right, Matt. Well, it's it's been two hours. Um, this has been really fun. I really appreciate you coming by and chatting with yeah, me. Yeah, it was great talking with you. You you have any more questions or anything else you want to throw out there before we take off? No, I'm I'm all good here. Thank you so much for coming. It's been a pleasure. Say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, people. Thanks right. for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ramble by the River. If you did, it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or a review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you want to get more involved and support the show, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content, bonus episodes, and a Ramble by the River t-shirt with every Royal Rambler subscription after three months. Instructions for how to join are at ramblebytheriver.com. Click the subscribe link, and it's easy peasy lemon squeezy. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week. Bye.
take